Wrestling Geeks Hello! How you doing? How you how are you enjoying your holidays? This is Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Of course you know that. We got another episode for you guys today. Very uh, charming, lovely episode with me and my co-host Christopher Brother Ray Patton. As we break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news, uh, preview shows to come, and review shows that have been in the mirror but should not be forgotten. And since we took a week off, we're going to actually mainly this show will be about Survivor Series and Full Gear. We're going to review that, go over some, you know, some small news items. Nothing crazy happened this week. But if you're new, we appreciate you checking us out. Uh, We're on every downloadable platform from Spotify to Stitcher to uh, YouTube. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Subscribe. And if you like us, give us a thumbs up. We'd appreciate it. If you don't like us, just give us a thumbs up. But anyways, I could not do this show without my co-host. Like I said, the bad, the bold, the man with the beard and the plan, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Oh, I don't know about having a plan. But definitely, ha- I definitely have a beard. <laughs> well, you got one of the two. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, apologize to all the listeners. Last uh, from last week, we missed the show. I was sick. I got like a stomach flu bug, and uh, I assumed that everyone did not want to hear me uh, record the podcast from the toilet. So <laughs> I had to take a hiatus, and then. Uh, my uh, one of my cats got sick. We had to do the emergency vet thing over the weekend. I don't know oh. if any of you cats out there have had to do that, but that shit is expensive. It's ridiculous. I, I've never paid more money for something that weighs eight pounds, basically. <laughs> but she is doing fine now. She had a really bad upper respiratory infection, and they thought maybe like uh, you know, there there was a possibility, you know, when cats don't eat or drink that they may have some kind of internal thing. So we had to do the whole x-ray and uh, blood test thing, but Ugh. she came back fine. It was just a really bad upper respiratory infection and um, she's doing well now, but that was my weekend shitting myself and uh, taking cats to the ER vet. <laughs> How was uh, your Thanksgiving week? <laughs> uh, well, I ate turkey, uh, hung out with family. And just had a whole humdiddly of a due time, you know. And, and um, sorry to hear about your weekend, other than the stomach bug, man. Vets are expensive as shit. And uh, I don't know if I spent more money for eight pounds of something, because um, I'm not a cokehead. But uh, at least you spent it on your little furry friend. And, uh, yeah, um, you know, we're back. We're here to attack some wrestling. And, uh, yeah, uh so since we've been doing this as of lately, uh, let's let's do a what you've been watching uh, little thing before we start talking about the the professional wrestling. Uh, Chris, what what have you been uh, watching TV and or movie wise within the last two weeks? 
Oh, well, I'm kind of sad. I haven't gotten any new episodes of Young Sheldon or Young Rock, uh, which are my two kind of junk food TV sitcom shows. Uh, no new episodes of the Goldbergs. I hate Thanksgiving. when it, Well, I don't hate Thanksgiving. I actually had a very good Thanksgiving. But around this time, it seems like a bunch of shows go on hiatus. You know, so it's, it was a little weird. Um, I want my South Park and Bob's Burgers, damn it. Sorry, yeah, I had to say that. Exactly. Uh, I watched Smile. Thought it was okay. I think uh, people liked it a lot more than I did, but uh, wasn't bad. It was it was a fun little flick. Uh, I watched Sissy, which I actually thought was fucking incredible. That's available to stream on Shutter and uh, I think Showtime Plus if you have Showtime or whatever. But uh, yeah, that one I really enjoyed. I thought that was a really great movie. I was like, God damn it. How's Australia out here making better horror films than us? I got fucking pissed for a second. But uh, yeah, it's really good. I enjoyed that one a lot. It's kind of like a weird tale of a social influencer who is in the grocery store and kind of meets friends that she hasn't seen in a long time. And they convince her to, you know, come hang out for the first time in a long time. And then you go to a bachelorette party after that. and. Stuff ensues because you're in a cabin in the woods, and that's how Ooh. good horror movies start. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it, and I think the main actress in the film, um, one is gorgeous. I was like, oh my god, I love you, please marry me. Um, and two is was really really great because she's kind of it's kind of hard to nail that she's she's being like kind of like a health a mental health YouTube influencer, which I think is kind of like a hard thing to. I would think that would be a hard thing to kind of act, you know, <laughs> like doing these breathing exercises and like also not only are you doing them in front of a camera, but you're doing them kind of like Inception where you're <laughs> filming yourself that's being filmed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought I thought that movie kicked ass. Uh, and then also just a fuck ton of hockey. New Jersey Devils are second place in the league and uh, just kicking absolute ass. They beat the fuck out of the Rangers and whenever the Devils beat the Rangers, that's a good week. So uh that's that's pretty much it. I wish I would have caught up on uh, the tells from the territory, man. But I'm having kind of a hard time with the. I, I like the stories, but the the whole format where they go to live action, um, it it just doesn't fit as well as it did with Dark Side of the Ring. Instead of it being like one particular story or focus, when they go into these like shadowy live action reenactments or whatever, it's just weird because you're splitting away from a room of like you know, popular wrestlers in some cases to split, split over. But, uh, the, the last episode I watched was the, they were talking about, was it the Polyn Polynesian pro? I can't remember. It basically rocks mm -hmm. family's promotion. I can't think of the exact, uh, lettering for their federation, but it, it was a fun episode. It's, I'm just still having such a hard time with that where it split. It just, it doesn't fit that show in particularly as well as it does like dark side. Well, it doesn't really bother me. <laughs> I actually like having a uh, visual aid and not having to watch, like, even if I like them, four old people just chat the whole entire time, just narrating maybe a little bit of the story. But teach its own. Um, and I have to – I still haven't seen the Crockett episode. That's the latest one that came out last week, which I was looking forward to the most, that a uh, little, uh, little angry gentleman named Jim Cornette will be a part of. So that should be fucking interesting. I don't know if they're – having him um, over like Skype. I don't know if Jim Connett could actually figure out how to fucking work Skype, 
without uh, trying to get Brian Last to come help him out from uh, New Jersey. So that should be fucking interesting. But um, movies, man, I, I, I really think, and we're about to, I'm about to kind of end it with a really hyped one that I was talking to you last night about. But horror movies, there have been a bunch of great ones as of recently, I think. Or at least, you know, ones that are a, a bit more in-depth than some of the stupid shit we get. I really liked Barbarian. There were some things in the, the ending that I, you know, had some issue with. Actually, a very similar issue that I had with Smile. I liked Smile. I really liked how they dived into mental health and the breakdown of, of mania. And I can't go into, obviously, what happens, but you're... You're kind of starting to wonder if the person that's getting you through a story, if she actually is dealing with just stuff that she's seeing or if it's actually happening, which I like that concept. But they have like a similar, I'll just say, monster like Barbarian that I even more didn't like that was kind of at the end of it. But I still liked it. I, and then there's been uh, Pearl I thought was really good. Um, I really want to see Sissy. I've heard a lot of good things about that. And then, um, uh, what is it called? Skinnamarink, which I don't know anything about. <laughs> I've just heard from a lot of people that's really scary. And I'm waiting for my brother, my buddy who's into horror movies, can watch anything. And said it wasn't like gratuitous, gratuitous uh, violence or, or something like a Serbian film style concept that makes it fucked up. But. He said that he almost slept with the lights on and specifically told me to watch it with another person because it really disturbed him to that level. And since I'm fucked in the head, that's like challenge accepted. Right. Right, Chris? When it comes to horror <laughs> yeah, movies. Yeah. Like your friend's review that you sent me on Facebook Messenger put that at the top of my I'm going to watch this weekend list. So it better really not suck, Alex. Yeah, if it sucks, Alex, I'm going to let you know, or I'm going to let Dane know, and he'll let you know, but uh, I'm we'll looking let, forward we'll to that. We'll let you know now we know. Yeah, you said it was like a uh, – it's like a David Lynch horror film, but more fucked up. It was part of what the review you sent me, and I was like, oh, man. Yeah, and and <laughs> okay. if it's more disturbing than, than two of his films that are kind of considered, Chris, to be horror films, one is first one, Eraserhead, supposed to be a nightmare, and then Mulholland Drive has been considered – Kind of like a thriller horror element in it, uh, but this is apparently straight up that kind of concept and style, but diving deep into horror. So I don't know if it's going to be like Mother. I have no clue what the fuck this movie is going to be like. Yeah, but I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to erase that. I'm gonna have to erase that review from my head when I start watching it because I'm just gonna be thinking of fucking Dennis Hopper being like, "Baby, what a fuck." <laughs> Heineken, oh, fuck God. that shit. Paps Blue Ribbon. Uh, ah, I, I love David Lynch. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this, man. I, I, the hype that was put on with that review has made me very excited for, for that film. And uh, Titans, obviously, been watching that. That's uh, We're getting Brother Blood, I'm on man. the second episode. I'm, I'm pretty stoked. I'm not going to say anything because I know a lot of people haven't caught up on it, you included, but holy shit. My wife and I have been watching this is pretty much – it's like our Thursday night gimmick right now. As soon as that fucking thing comes out, we're on the couch. We got our snacks. So I'll go to Wal little Walmart. We have like one of those Walmart markets near the house. I'll go get like donuts and fucking muffins and chocolates and sodas and shit and – feel like a little kid again when this shit comes on me and her sit down we got we got like everything planned out it's like all right this is gonna be the night we're gonna you know eat dinner and watch the shit slam a bunch of junk food and then just 
gnarl out on the couch, <laughs> which is it's been great, man. I'm really enjoying this season. It's got Niklaus in it from uh, the originals. I'm I'm having a, a fucking really good time. The the Waynebago is pretty great. That's not really a spoiler, but they get a fucking Batman RV because you know Bruce Wayne can't have a normal RV. It's got to have a section that will extend and drop a Porsche onto the ground if needed with a bunch of computer systems. <laughs> That, I think that might be my favorite part of Titans is like every time something goes wrong or, or something is like it financially or if they need some kind of equipment, you're like, oh, it's, it's like but Bruce Wayne. Right. And it's like the most ridiculous Batman device type thing. Kind of the best I've seen in a while as far as portraying Batman. It's like, why the fuck would Batman have like a giant RV in what world in the <laughs> Batman comics is like, I'm going to go on a camping trip, uh, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> It's, because he it's, can, Chris. <laughs> exactly, because he can, which makes me like – and my wife uh, dubbed it the Waynebago, which I thought was pretty fucking good. So, uh, yeah, I've been enjoying the fuck out of that show. Yeah, also, I'm, I'm two episodes in. I've been watching that Quantum Leap as well. It's it's on a fuck. It's one of those shows that is also on a break, which I'm a little sad about because me and my wife have been kind of doing the same thing with that show. Um, but we started rewatching the older episodes of Quantum oh. Leap. Yeah. And they get into like it's kind of weird. Like they do they do kind of like a lot of episodes about social injustices, which I didn't realize as a kid growing up. Mm-hmm. But like it it's it's a really good show. Like going back, I actually think I appreciate the show more than I did when I would just like catch reruns or whatever on sci-fi back in the day. Hey, big ups to Scott Bakula. We love you. Um yeah, no, I agree with you. I used to love that show back in the day. I haven't checked out the new one. But just the fact that it is Quantum Leap has made me interested in possibly trying it out. I, Chris, have no life. Um, I don't have a significant other. Um, No children, uh, you know, nieces and nephews and whatnot. So since I can do it, I decided to go back and watch, starting with phase one of the MCU, because I'm so sick of this fucking last phase. I'm so glad it's over with phase four. Still want to see Black Panther, but I'm waiting for my brother also to be in town to do that in theaters. But I've been watching the Infinity Saga in chronological order. Uh, and if you want to watch on Disney Plus, they have those available. And simultaneously, been watching the animated films that they built up and made their own movie universe that happened at the same time a lot of the crappy DC movies came out that are way fucking better. Um, starting with Flashpoint and ending with Apocalypse War. So, you know, you would think, Chris, since I'm jamming so much superheroes, and I'm trying to get all this done by uh, by the end of uh, this year, so I can do some reviews and talk to people about some of the stuff. But you would think that maybe my dreams would be differently. You would think that maybe I'd have a dream I'm a superhero or even a pedestrian watching superheroes or Marvel, DC, something like that. No, don't really have those dreams I remember. The ones that I remember is being in a fucking random ass room, talking to some people I know. There might be people I have no idea. I don't really know where the fuck I am. And all of a sudden I hear that thing in the distance. Uh, I've talked about it on the show before. I'm like, what the fuck is that noise? And then guess who busts in? Leatherface with a chainsaw. And then he chain. Somehow I always end up in a fucking cornfield running for my life. And I wake up to feeling like either my legs got cut off or uh, I got a chainsaw like through my chest from my back, 
Why? Why do I remember <laughs> those dreams? I don't. Do you think it's like because of? So this happens to me. Sometimes I'll have a dream like that where something happens to one of my limbs, and then I'll wake up and it's my cat's like laying on, <laughs> and my like basically like <laughs> fell asleep. So I'm I'm curious like. Does that happen to you as your kitty? Like, I'm going to take a nap in the middle of your chest while you're sleeping. And then, you 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 know, your body just doesn't – you don't move the same way you would if you're sleeping naturally. This happens to me, and I wake up all fucked up. I'm like, oh, my God. Why does it feel like I got into a fist fight? <laughs> oh, it's because I have two cats on me all night. No, it's it, – she doesn't do it so much. I've had it happen where she sleeps on my chest, and it was just – heavy and that's why i woke up but i mean if she was on me she would be at the wall because i like wake up abruptly like you know because i was literally just running for my life and got my legs cut out from underneath me and it's so weird because it's almost like you feel it but you don't and when you wake up you're like what the fuck was that but um i think it's because i smoke a lot of weed uh chris i (laughs) I don't remember my dreams and uh i don't understand why i remember the nightmares yeah my uh my my big one is I'll sleep I sleep on my side, and uh, every once in a while one of the cats will decide oh I love my daddy so much I'm gonna sleep on your fucking hip all night and I wake up and I'm like god damn did I get thrown off hell in the cell what the fuck is going on um yeah but my wife says it tends to say that I have the most boring dreams my dreams are kind of just like in set in the normal world and I'm like doing things like for instance one time uh I was just building a go kart. That was my dream. It was like, oh, I'm making a fucking go-kart. Uh, I had a nightmare one time where I was a goalie, and Wayne Gretzky just was relentlessly scoring on me, <laughs> and the fans were throwing shit at me, which was a weird that, – that, that's like – that's the kind of dreams I have. I don't get, like, the cool nightmares. I don't know when to call any nightmare cool, but I don't get any of, like, the I'm about to fall off a building, and then you wake up right before you, you know – like I don't get those, or if I do, I never remember them the next day. Mine are more like, oh, you remember that one time you were at the mall in '97? So I, I'm a I'm a boring dreamer, is what I'm getting at. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but uh, if I can, when you said Leatherface in dreams, I was I was like, I hope it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 Leatherface, and he's he's out here trying to have a relationship with Dane. <laughs> Nope, it's definitely one. It's definitely Gunnar Hansen from the first one. <laughs> Bubba's got a girlfriend. <laughs> uh, now I'm going to have to watch that movie. Great movie. I'm not going to watch it for a minute now because I'm sick of having these fucking nightmares. <laughs> but uh, what are you going to do? My, my favorite scene in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is he's like, uh, uh, was it legs or like slim? slim right the radio host her friend that kind of helps with the show she like leaves for a second and comes back and he's like i built you a little frat house darling <laughs> shit i don't know why but it always makes me die every time <laughs> i get to that scene that's hilarious yeah man um it's just weird i do love t2 though Dutch Jones and Massacre 2 is a pretty fucking it's kind of like Gremlins and Gremlins 2, but it's it's very enjoyable. Toby Hooper's uh one hell of a director, people forget about. You know, put some spec on that name. Besides those movies, Salem's Lot, fucking a little movie called Poltergeist. Have you ever seen Funhouse with the weird fucking dude? You know? He's a he's a genius for horror. I always forget that he directed Poltergeist. It's kind of just so weird based on some of the other stuff that he he did that it's like 
I don't know why, but I just always forget that he directed that movie. My wife can't watch. She watched that as a kid and it like terrified her. So like, I don't yeah. know that I've watched it, watched that movie since we've been together. Dude. It always freaks her the fuck out. So <laughs> do you know specifically with her, what freaked her out about it? Because I have one scene that fucked me up as a child, basically um, with the, uh, the, the infamous uh, mirror scene. That's all claymation. But when I was younger, I was like, what the fuck? The guy's just peeling his face off and shit. Sorry if you haven't seen a movie that was made in the fucking early 80s, by the way. No spoilers needed. But, uh, yeah, that that really fucked me up. It, it fucked me up like uh, Witches and I uh, – was it The Witches where um, when they take off their faces and uh, all of them have, like, fucking uh, – yeah, that shit is nightmare fuel. So I don't know if that's specifically, but that that bothered me from Poltergeist really bad at a young age. I don't know if it's like one particular scene with her or if it's just the entire concept of the movie. I mean, my wife uh, does mediumship and dabbles in the witchery and stuff. But like the the I guess that entire movie in that house and and even some of the stuff surrounded about the filming of that movie. Yeah, that movie is like considered cursed. Right. So it's. I don't know if it just makes her feel uncomfortable because of that or what, but it is definitely one of the ones. And and she consumes pretty much any shitty horror film that comes out. But for whatever reason, Poltergeist really fucked with her as a kid and she has not been able to go back to. And I was kind of thinking about that myself. Like, Dane, was there one that like you watched as a kid that you still feel uncomfortable watching as an adult? Because I, I can only think of like one particular scene that still fucks with me as an adult. No, I'm gonna, I gotta think of like the big ones. <laughs> You're gonna laugh at some of these. So things that really bothered me as a child. Uh, one of them, believe it or not, was the "Don't Come Around Here No More" video from Tom Petty, where he is stalking Alice and Alice in Wonderland as a Mad Hatter, and at the end she turns into a cake and is screaming for her life while they eat her. But it's a cake, but it's like cannibalism while she's fucking. That scared the shit out of me. And my cousin Carla should not have shown me that fucking <laughs> music video in the 80s. Um, which is, I already said, when, when um, Angela Houston, all of them take off their fucking faces and turn kids into fucking mice. That scared the shit out of me. The part from Poltergeist and the fucking clown scene. That that really bothered me. And uh, Malachi, he wants you. Even, even <laughs> though I've watched Children of the Corn, I love it. But it's so terrible at the end with the CG. I don't even know what the fuck. Computer-generated storm scene. Um, I don't know. I don't think anything's really held on as bad. I guess technically I should say Texas Chainsaw Massacre because subconsciously that's the one that, that wins. Oh, no, no, no. I don't like watching Jaws. I can't do it, man. It fucked me from going deep in the ocean. I I, I want to watch it again, but it's like, I don't know. There's... I'd never pick it, even though I love Spielberg and the movie's great. I just can't do it. It fucks with me. I don't want to see someone getting pulled underneath the water ugh, from a shark. That, ah. I hate sharks. <laughs> I fucking love uh, – I love Jaws. I'm a big fan. But I'm also – it, it subconsciously fucked with me where I don't necessarily ever need to go deep in the ocean. That doesn't seem like a good idea. You can't see what's down there in general. It's already kind of a scary thing. <laughs> if you if you if you at all think about stuff like that, it, it, the ocean is not for you. But uh, I, I love love Jaws. But uh, the movie I was thinking of is when I rented it when I was like nine, eight or nine. I rented it right because my mom would just let me rent whatever horror film or whatever because they didn't really mess with me. Um, 
and the particular scene in it that messes with me is not the one that most people would think of, but there's a, uh, if you, if you rented this back in the day on VHS, it used to be two tapes. Um, they do have a single mm-hmm. tape version of it as well, but if you got the high quality one, it was two tapes. So like when you watch that first, it was tape, a mini series on TV, it, basically. It, right. So when you watch that first series and it, it you know, it kind of preps you that you're going to need to put in the next tape. It's when it gets into that photo uh, yeah. When they're looking at the kid, they're looking at the photo books and like fucking Pennywise is all these various photos, and then the photos start moving around, and Pennywise is just shit talking you basically. That freaked me the fuck out of as as a kid. And when it gets to that scene, the rest of the movie doesn't really bother me that much. But when it gets to that scene, it's still just like kind of sits heavy on you, you know, like weird ones. Um, the other one would be Psycho. Like I'm still weird about taking a shower. Like, <laughs> I, me I, too, will man. Double, I will double check the fucking shower curtain to make sure that there's no one <laughs> around. Kind of leave a little crack <laughs> so they don't catch your boy slipping. Um, not as big of a deal at this house because I have one of those glass shower doors. So it's a little easier to see if someone was <laughs> about to murder you. But um, those are two that come to mind. But yeah. Did you like, um, I forgot the director. Fetty Alvarez? No, it's it's um the one who's doing the Flash. Anyways, did you see the newer ones, the new It, Part One and Part Two? Uh, that's got one of the Scars Guards in it, right? I watched uh, the first one. I never got around to watching the second one. It was it, they it do. was good. Like I, I didn't. There's no reason why I haven't watched the second one. I just haven't gotten around to it. It's kind of one of those. Second one is good, but it's not as good as the first one. And the first one, they have a scene very similar. Uh, but much grander to that scene that you you're talking about with the pictures, you know what I'm saying? That mm-hmm. scared the fuck out of me also as a child. And when they did it, that little garage scene, basically, I'm not going to go too much into detail. That was, that was pretty impressive. Um, because that, that also as an adult fucked me up. I was like, Whoa, like came out of nowhere. So, um, it, I think the biggest problem with it for me is like, uh, and, and maybe I heard that in the second one, they get more kind of what the book does, but it, it has that like watchman element where, you know, Oh, it's a giant fucking spider. Like it's, it's yeah, a little they weird. They didn't go into that into the, in the, the eighties film. They didn't really show the giant spider or anything. No, they I think did. I, it, it looked terrible they, though. Yeah, it yeah. was it was okay. very yeah, they, marionette. It's been a while. It's um, it, I, I've watched it recently because I wanted to watch it because I finished watching the second one finally. I'm, I did the same thing. I didn't watch it for a while. Put it on the back burner. It was good. It was a good ending. Definitely looked better with the ending monster, uh, which was a problem I have with the original one. But um, yeah, um, it's hard to redo something, and I think specifically Bill Skarsgård did a really good job of Pennywise since it's so hard to try to get over the hump of the original Pennywise, you know? Yeah. I mean, Tim Curry, uh, Tim Curry is so fucking great as Pennywise. He's like an iconic horror character, right? Um, like I specifically think of when he raises his head up and has like the razor dagger teeth and just some oh, of the way yeah. he delivered, delivered lines in that film, like beat, beat Richie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's just certain things so but Skarsgård did a great job i also like the um i don't know if the it would be the art designer or costume designer or makeup artist like whoever decided that's what the new pennywise should look like man they i mean 
it became iconic in itself, like the, the, the way the new Pennywise looks, which I thought was pretty cool because it would have been very easy for them to just kind of run it back, you know, but they came up with like a very, very cool look in, in a time period in which when people do reboots, I don't necessarily always like it. Like the way they did that, they rebooted that Chucky movie and the doll just kind of looks like a, I don't know, very animatronic looking, which yeah, like more slender than the original. It didn't look like something you would give your kids like, oh, hey, this is your friend. You know, it didn't look like that, which kind of bothered me about that movie. So it's always cool when you get a good take on kind of like a classic thing. Like I think the new the way that Michael Myers has looked in these last films as it you know continues to progress, the mask gets more fucked up. It's kind of more grizzled kind of look like that's another good example of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Where it's not always been that good. Like if you go back and watch the H2O movies, I am not a fan of the way Myers looks in those. <laughs> no, man. It's got to look like the first one. They never got that back again until the newer ones. And with all the problems I have with the, the two sequels following the 2018 or 16 movie um, compared to that, because I really like that one. I will say that Michael looked fucking great no matter what in all of those. Um <clears throat> So there's like a fan supercut out there that's on Blu-ray that is all three of the movies condensed down to four four hours and twenty minutes, mm. and they they basically cut out all of the Cody is it Cody in the new film scenes like kind of that weird uh, yeah. love story they cut all of that crap they cut all of that out of the film so it's literally just the tell of Michael and Jodie Foster really but it's like a supercut and uh it's done on Blu-ray and it's out there to buy my friend was telling me it was pretty awesome so I might I might have to I haven't bought physical media in a while I might have to cop that for you know 25 30 bucks it's on whatever that horror site is that sells all the the Blu-ray movies I can't think of um they do like a lot of Criterion Collection stuff and like re-releases of specific horror films. I can't think of the name. Of it. I'll have to look up the site while we're talking. But uh, yeah, I bless like- these dudes for doing that type of stuff too, because there's someone that did a custom version of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, and they condensed it a fucking eight-hour fucking show season into two hours and made this amazing film. Apparently, I love hearing about if it's the original production company that does like a master cut like that or someone that takes time to put all the prequels in one film and, and, and do that. That's because a lot of times they're not making money off of that shit. So it's like, they're just doing them their free time. And I can't even like open up any type of movie app and fucking put a two second video together. So yeah, it's to you. It's, it's I crazy. I even do vines. You know what I'm saying? Vines. It's crazy. Um, that they not only go out of their way to curate a film. Cause I've seen people do that. Like I have friends that, you know, we'll do stuff like that. Like imagine if they cut this out and they'll go on their free time and do that. But when you're getting to the level where you're going to sell it on Blu-ray, that means that you had to go through uh, whoever owns the rights for, which I believe is NBC or universal at right. Cause it's, it's on Peacock yep. or whatever, but uh, you have to go through and get the licensing to be able to sell that stuff. Um, yep. That, which means a lot of people put a lot of time and effort of giving the fans what they want with a supercut. So I'm kind of excited to see it. Cause I heard that, you know, there's a lot of people. I, I didn't necessarily have as many problems with Halloween Kills as other people did. We've talked about that in the past. The, the last film fucking blew. I was like, uh. So when people are talking about cutting out all of the stuff I hated as a fan for the last film, I was like, huh. Well, I mean, if you cut all that crap out, it might be pretty good. <laughs> so I am That's looking something... forward to that. I, I want to buy that, and I'm going to. 
I might save it and use it as a double feature for next Halloween with the original Halloween and just watch that afterwards for a good, you know. I always like two, though. I know the mask doesn't look as good because they lost the fucking original mask and they couldn't replicate it. Um, but, and I think they didn't find it until years later and it ended up being uh, the guy who played Michael Myers in the first one. I can't remember what his name is. Legend. Um, he had it and he didn't even know he had it and they found it years later, but they replicated it for the new ones. But if you watch any of the Halloweens from two to four, five, six, all the way on, like you were saying with H2O and Resurrection after it, the masks look terrible. They just do not look like the first one. I will say that uh, it, I hated the Rob Zombie Halloween films, but I think the way Myers looked yep. in those films is better than most of the way he looks in the actual sequels to the original. Completely um, agree. But uh, I, I, uh, I, I always dug to. I don't know why people have like such a weird thing against Halloween too. I think it's like kind of cool setting for it being like set in a hospital for the majority of the film. And uh, a lot of the guy nurse characters are just complete douchebags, so it feels really good when they get murdered. Like, there's mm-hmm. one character in that film that's just walking around singing, like, Amazing Grace, come sit on my face. And you're like, you know, he's you know he's just a complete douchebag. So when Yeah, you had, Myers... like, two dudes that were, like, the polar <laughs> opposite. You had that guy and the guy that's really worried about Lori and trying to help her out and shit like that. And ends up getting killed, I think, in a car. Uh, for his efforts later on. Yeah, when that guy got his fucking face burn off and the medicated, like, oh, that's the other thing is it's you start getting some ridiculous Jason-esque kills in Halloween 2 that I really appreciate. I think it just I, it just depends on, like, what kind of Myers you want. I mean, it's, it's going to be hard for anything to live up to that first film because no one had ever really seen anything like that. It, it stands on its own, no. you know, like it's a... Uh, it's a great fucking flick, but out of like all of the Halloween films, I, I mean, I would almost put if I was going to do a tier list, I would almost put Halloween 2 as my second favorite. Maybe I would substitute in that the the first re-release with Jodie Foster. Um, you mean uh, the, um, fuck, the, the, the Halloween reboot with um, the, the, the re- more recent one, the three that we got that were that yeah. based yet. Yeah. Lori Strode, but who, what's the actress? Jamie Lee Curtis. You said oh, Jamie Lee Foster. Curtis. I don't know why I said Jodie Foster. My bad. Jamie Lee Curtis. She got them legs insured. Uh, yeah, true <laughs> lies, baby. Uh, which I think is still hilarious that she got a Lloyd's of London like insurance policy on her legs. But you know, if I had legs like that, I'd probably get them insured as well. Dude, did but you yeah, see those yeah. pictures with her and Sigourney Weaver just fucking hitting up the red carpet? They looked amazing. Uh, you lady, Susan Sarandon, still got a. Very big place in my heart. So was it uh, Jamie Lee Curtis also did Scream Queens, right? The TV show. I was kind of sad when they canceled yeah. that. I, I kind of got into it, and they did like three seasons, and it was just kind of done. I was like, no. Yeah. Well, uh, I just wanted to mention since I forgot that it is uh, not Fetty Alvarez. It was on, uh, but Andre Machete, who is Gilmel del Toro's uh, one of someone that started underneath him. He's the one who did the It movies, so just to make sure I knew it, he also did Mama, which was awesome, great horror movie, and he's doing The Flash that uh, – God, I feel bad for him with all the stupid th- stuff with the fucking Ezra Miller. But anyways, should we start talking about some wrestling, Chris? Oh, I mean if we have to. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I guess we should it's get kind of like what it. we're here for, right? <laughs> So do you want to just go over the pay-per-views? What do you want to do? Come on. Sure. I mean, uh, whichever one you want to start with. I think both of them were very good for different reasons. 
Absolutely. I think I can agree with you on that. Is there anything news-wise that really should be talked about before we get into this, though? Oh, all right. Actually, we have a couple. Uh, Kota Bushi. So this is from Wrestling Observer. They were ta- Dave Meltzer was talking about uh, his future in New Japan. And uh, it was basically at the end of January of next year, Kota's done. Um, he's progressing better on his injured shoulder now that he's had time off. Uh He's been doing some light training in the ring, so it seems like he's coming back from his injury. But yeah, he's scheduled to come back, or he's scheduled to be done with New Japan. Does not look like he's re-signing in January of 23. Chris, of course, a question from wrestling fans. Relationship with Kenny, the elite, the company itself. Is Kota going to just stay in Japan, maybe do DDT, or do you think it's possible that we'll, do, we'll see Kota Ibushi in AEW? And with all the people that are signed, especially of recently, we've had Bandito, Juice Robinson, A.R. Fox. I don't care how many people they have. I feel, personally, if you get a chance to sign Kota Ibushi, you fucking sign him. But does that do anything with the relationship with New Japan and AEW? So the Kota stuff is a little weird just in the sense of, is New Japan going to cockblock him? Because he signed like a lifetime contract with them. So I would think they would have to release him from that contract or fire from him. What, from what Meltzer says, at the end of January of next year, he's done with his contract. But see, that's that's bullshit, though, because he signed like a 10-year deal with New Japan. Did he, did he sign or did he say that he was going to be here for the rest of his life? <sighs> from I mean, from all, from all accounts, from what I remember, because we talked about that he I mean he because he's he's like in his mid thirties and the deal that he signed is way longer than like the time period he's been in New Japan. I don't when he says next January, he's I mean January of like this coming year or the Yeah, I don't know. I think Meltzer may be maybe incorrect. See, I don't that, see but. here's the thing. I don't remember anyone specifically unless it was Dave, who sometimes he messes up saying that he did sign like a 10-year deal. I remember him talking about how he's going to be here forever, blah, 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 blah. Now they've had all these problems. So uh, let's 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 I mean, play along, I guess, if you don't believe Meltzer on this one. Do you think it's a possibility that Kota Ibushi, if he is done next January, what do you think he's going to do afterwards? AEW, DDT, what do you think? Oh, I would almost want to, I would almost say he'd be doing like pro wrestling Noah or something, right? Um, as opposed to DDT, I could, I mean, I could see him in DDT, but I know that when he signed to that contract and this was reported by Meltzer, it was the biggest like contract in new Japan in, in a long, long time money wise and stuff. So if he wants to make that amount of money, he would either be doing, I mean, new Japan pro wrestling, Noah or AW, I would think, unless triple H just really goes full send on getting Kota Ibushi. I mean, as a fan, I would just love for him to come to AEW just because him and Kenny are so great together. You could get Kenny and Ibushi versus the Bucks again versus FTR. Like, there's a lot of really good matches I'd want to see come out of that. So if I'm just being selfish, I'm going to say, oh, man, I really want him to <laughs> to go to AEW, you know? Yeah, because then we can see him compete, keep on having the storyline with Kenny, like you said, them as tag partners or against each other or just 
you know, there's a lot that you can do with that. Um, but I don't know if he wants to leave Japan. You know, that's a huge commitment. So it would be uh, interesting. But, you know, having the Golden Lovers back is a possibility for a tag team. That's very intriguing. And Coda just by himself. And primarily, I'm sorry. I will say that AEW, I think, is less harmful to individuals. Well, unless you're Darby Allen. Um, a lot of times than what Coda has done to himself in New Japan. I don't think that he would have to or will be promoted to to put that much damage to himself uh, like he did. Uh, and also not wrestling back to back to back to back to back as much, obviously, which that's probably what his downfall with his soldier, soldier was, shoulder was at the G1 uh, last year. So interesting. Um, I'm down. Yeah, I I haven't really looked into a lot of New Japan news recently, but um, did Dave talk about like where the company stands? Because just because his contract is up doesn't mean that they can't hold him. I mean, he has missed like almost a year and a half of what that contract would be, um, either via injury or uh, him just not wanting to work with the company because they had huge beef that we talked about over the summer. Um. With with uh, Coda's mom's attempted suicide and kind of like New Japan not giving him the respect and time he needed right around that G1 tournament. I, I don't know if you remember all of that, but I kind of wonder if G1 would hold him up on that deal, even if he's supposed to be released. Technically, he hasn't worked those dates. So if they do the WWE thing where they add time to his contract back, that would be kind of the curiosity, but I mean, they're not getting anything out of them right now anyways. So, um, hopefully they wouldn't do that. It's kind of petty, but I, it, I wouldn't put it past any wrestling promotion to, to be dicks. All right. So I found part of an interview to kind of like, I don't know, cater towards what we were talking about earlier. And this is someone, I want to say it's Dave. It might be Brian, might be someone else that was talking to Abushi about his contract that he, had signed and the question to him and a lot of reference to what we've, you know, heard about him signing with new Japan, by the way, this was back in 2019, I believe. Yep. April of 2019. And the question that was specifically asked to him was how long is your contract for? And he's Bushi said contract to me, this is the last place I'll be until the day I die until the end. That's my contract period. Is that okay? Until the very end. I'm okay with it. Ha ha. Well, there's laughs in parentheses, so I don't know why I did that. But uh, that was apparently the statement. So I don't know if exactly he signed a lifetime or whatever, 10-year, or if he was just all enthusiasm at that point that would completely change. The, the tacking on time, I don't know if New, New Japan or Road does it like WWE, but technically you're right. I He did get injured in one of their tournaments, so maybe there's something to that to be said. So about not being able to tackle. I don't know how it works over there, but if Dave's saying one thing, you know, um, interesting that we might see Kota Ibushi outside of New Japan. Um, I'm sure he'll be missed on there besides from the higher-ups if he does leave. Uh, but what are you going to do? Kota Ibushi is a once-in-a-lifetime talent to me. So, Yeah, I mean, wherever he goes, I'm just going to be excited to see. I mean, you can literally throw him in any company, and I can name some dream matches. I, you know, if I'm being 
selfish. Like I said, I would definitely want it to be AW, but he could probably make a fuck ton of money in WWE. And there's a lot of good matchups there, like him versus Sami Zayn or him versus Kevin Owens or Seth Rollins or AJ Styles. Like he's a great or wrestler. Shit. So, or uh, Mr. Uh, one of his idols, uh, Mr. Kinshasa, you know, um, <laughs> Shinsuke Nakamura. Which we know that Coda likes to do that move as well, in a little tribute sense. But yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're Triple H, you should definitely. If if he's coming out of contract, you should definitely at least put an offer out there because I think you could do a lot with him in WWE. Dude, um, isn't it crazy when you look at? Remember the cruiserweight tournament, something that was in place and started in NXT when I first started watching. They had fucking. They had Kota Bushi within it, who decided not to do it. They had Zack Sabre Jr. a part of it. Will Ospreay, plus everyone that they already had that they kept. Pretty crazy. That WWE, uh, apparently Kota didn't want to move. That's the reason why he didn't join NXT at the time, because he was definitely offered it. Yeah, and I wonder if that's going to play into the AEW thing. Um, at least with AEW, he's not... Just based on the way they do their shows, he wouldn't be traveling as much. So maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, he wouldn't necessarily have to move from Japan. Whereas, you know, if you're doing WWE main roster and the amount of traveling and live shows they do, you would be kind of. I would think that you would want to move to the States just because the the flight would be terrible back and forth, back and forth. But, you know, AW, they sign people to the roster unless you're like Mm -hmm. MJF. You're not necessarily going to be on every show. Um. So, you know, if he wants to work like a lighter schedule, uh, AEW would probably make sense. I would think Triple H would probably have this motherfucker on every Raw, right, or every SmackDown. Um, if he's going to pay up to get a get a guy like that, you're going to try to get the most out of him. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Two more things just to get into. Um, real quick, this is involving the pay-per-view that we're going to talk about uh, a little bit later. Uh, but... This is all. This has been going around everywhere uh, that Roman Reigns was not happy about something that happened at Survivor Series during the match. Uh, there was rumors that basically the rumor was that something happened at the end of the match that was unplanned, and Roman had some issues and had some words with Kevin Owens afterwards uh, because he might have ruptured his eardrum and was bruised on the face from whatever happened. Now we find out, and who knows who the fuck's right, because that's such how it works with the uh, wrestling news. Lots, it's it's like Varys from uh from Game of Thrones. Lots of birds out there watching and shit. But um, now the report is this was a planned spot, but Kevin unfortunately hit Roman way too fucking hard. That's what bruised around his eye, but mainly actually ruptured his eardrum. So afterwards, they had some words with each other. But there's more Roman was pissed off because, look, Roman is the champion. He 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 can't, like, be out, even though he doesn't – he has a much more limited schedule. Um, you know, he's, he's basically all the future plans themselves. But it was noted that it wasn't that big of a deal. It was way blown out of proportion that they just talked about it, and it was fine. Roman's going to be fine. He was just heated in the moment. And him and KO are friends, and he actually picked specifically Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens to be involved with the storyline. So whatever you're hearing, I I want to think that's probably the latter information. Um, it was probably, you know, those guys are all physical out there. There's a lot of testosterone 
in the works. You have something like that that happens. You're pretty pissed off about it. You know, you talk it. This happens in the back all the time. But of course, since ears are listening that go and talk to other outlets, it gets made to be at first like it was a big deal. And people are saying all this shit. And Kevin Owens is on the next two episodes still heavily involved with the storyline. So I wouldn't be worried at all. But that's how wrestling goes, Chris, right? Yeah, I mean, if it was someone that wasn't Kevin Owens, maybe there would be a little more story here. I, I mean, I'm not going to doubt that, you know, if he blasted Roman um, a little too hard. I'm, I mean, of course, Roman was pissed off when they got backstage, right? Um, as far as them having like an ongoing beef, like this is going to be Sean versus Brett or something. I don't think that no. uh, Roman and Kevin are both more than professional than that. I mean, Roman, I mean, Kevin probably apologized and then bought Roman a steak or something. That would be my guess of this being an ongoing beef. And Roman really like he needs Kevin and Sammy's stuff to continue for that storyline to have legs to get all the way to the mania. Cause um, while that is not the plan, they're building that story around Sammy and Kevin and uh, Sammy's relationship with the Usos. So I'm assuming they just squashed it and they're going to move forward. It does suck that, you know, Roman got hurt off a bitch slap spot, but shit happens, man's wrestling. The heat of the exactly. moment, you know. Uh, two more notes about this, and this is kind of an update uh, about Cody. Um, apparently, to be nice... Uh, Kevin Owens uh, called Cody and asked him permission to do his outfit, which was designed to be basically like a Dusty Rhodes, you know, um, anywhere, uh, hardcore match. I, I'll just call it that. They called it something completely different back then. Texas Deathmatch or whatever. But Dusty would wear the black shirt. You know, he had basically like a new age Dusty shirt on, but like he would have the, his Dusty shirt on and then the red uh, elbow pad, uh, the jeans on. The only thing that Kevin Owens was missing, as Corey Graves said, was some cowboy boots. But it's nice to know that Kevin, he holds a lot to Dusty. Dusty taught him a lot, and he keeps, you know, considers him one of his biggest teachers on the way to becoming who he was. But he would, he would actually call, and apparently Cody was like, of course, and said some really nice things on Twitter about Kevin Owens' tribute. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Cody... It's apparently in the process of coming back. There's no date for him of when, but he's been actively in the gym, and he's at about a solid 240 uh, pounds of just pure muscle. So all he's doing right now is working out. I would have to think that his chest is doing better if he's working out to that level. Will we see him at Royal Rumble? I don't know. But good news nonetheless if he's training that hard. Um, since he dealt with a fucking torn peck. What do you think about the Kevin Owens stuff with Cody? And Cody, do you think he'll be at Rumble this year at the end of January? Uh, yeah, I would think that that would be his when he's coming back. Um, I mean, they could pull the trigger before then, but it, it would make sense even if he's ready to go. Why would you not save that to have? Because you need one big thing for Rumble, right? Like Cody coming back would be a big deal. Um, I would almost go that route unless they're going to set up a unless they want to run back the Seth Rollins thing beforehand, but uh, it would make sense for him to come back. I'm glad to, to hear he's doing well. Uh, the bunkhouse brawl is the name you were looking for there. I loved the Kevin. Owens Thank you, sir. And that's really cool that, you know, that he took the time to call it because people do tributes to dusty all the time. I'm sure Cody's not expecting everyone to call him every time they want to do something dusty related, but um, it was cool that he kind of went out of his way to, 
make sure it was okay with what he was doing, which it sounds like Kevin Owens from, from everything we've heard over the years, they had like a really close relationship once Kevin got to NXT. It's kind of crazy that Kevin, you know, gives him so much credit because this is a man that was before headed there was like ring of honor's biggest star and was a, you know, at least the top 10 list of people that should be signed by a large company um, during that time period. So, you know, the amount of respect he has for dusty and kind of the cool relationship they have. It's uh, it's nice to see him do that little tribute and it's just a cool story all around. It sucks that it's get, that, that part of it's getting overshadowed because Kevin Owens accidentally slapped Roman Reigns too hard. <laughs> Yep, that's how wrestling fans are. But yeah, just love seeing Kevin's awesome, man. Uh, the last story I want to talk about, Chris, is a pretty short one, but I'm excited about it. A wrestler that we really like that has been doing awesome stuff uh, since being released from WWE at Impact Wrestling. Uh, an alum for them that should definitely be in their Hall of Fame since he was, you know, since the beginning. But uh, apparently Eric Young is back on his way to WWE. We don't know if what capacity Eric will be used in, if it will be NXT, if it will be on the main roster, if it will be put with Nikki, are they maybe thinking about getting Wolf and uh, Killian back, since obviously those were other people that were let go, not you know wanted by Triple H, but by Vince and uh, Nick Khan at the time with Vince leading. But it sounds like he's finishing up with Impact and he'll be on his way back to the WWE. Do you think, Chris, that... It's coincidence that Nikki is back to how she was and even coming out to the sanity theme now that Eric is on his way back to WWE or am I over, am I putting too much thought into it? No, I mean, I just wonder if that's what I, I mean, that's not necessarily what I would do with him if I was bringing him back. That's my only caveat is I don't necessarily know that I would throw him into a group just cause you already have judgment day and stuff. Right. Um, but it is exciting that he's coming back in general. Like I'm looking forward to that. I like Eric Young a lot. The only thing that sucks is like if you're a, if you are a fan of um, Impact, Eric Young and Violet by Design has been in the majority of their pay per views and main storylines. So I don't know how Impact's going to fill that void. That sucks for them. Yeah, I do agree with you. He seems to be someone that's important for that brand, but. You know, with certain people showing up, I'm sure Impact will figure out a way to pivot from this. Um, I haven't watched it as of recently. Actually, I only caught the things that happened at their last pay-per-view, the ending with uh, Bully Ray pulling or taking Jason or taking Alexander, you know, acting like he was about to cash in the thing that he had, but saying that he's waiting for the next pay-per-view and then just completely turning on him Bully Ray style powerbombing him on the apron, beating the shit out of him, and then, uh, you know, taking the handcuffs, handcuffing him, and threatening to pile drive his wife um, on the cement floor uh, before just, you know, letting him know that he could have done it, but he didn't. And basically, he's got a big path uh, with Bully Ray at the end of it. But, um, you know, Impact's still Impact. I like checking it out. They have a great roster, and, you know, with people, I don't know if Lance still works there. I'm pretty sure he does. Him, Tommy Dreamer, Bully, some of the people that they have creatively, I think, are intelligent to have involved, and they've been doing a lot better. Uh, I just don't get a chance to watch it every week, and it's not on YouTube TV. The channel isn't. 
what are you going to do? It's not on Twitch anymore. So I have to figure out a way to watch it, if you will, Chris. Yeah, I record it each week, but I'm not going to lie. I've probably not watched an episode of Impact in about a month. Um, it's still good. I mean, there's a good roster and stuff. It's just like there's a lot of wrestling. And also, yep. you know, e- even if you're looking outside, it's like, do I want to watch a New Japan Strong show or do I want to watch Impact? So NXT. I, yeah. So it's like... It's not, it doesn't relate to the show quality itself. I think Josh Alexander's done great as their champion. And uh, I think the last match I watched from them was the Masa Slamma Bitch Jordan Grace match. Which was awesome. <laughs> Which was, was awesome. So, I mean, they're doing good shit over there. It's just I, I don't – I have to kind of pick and choose what I'm going to watch if I want to watch anything outside of wrestling and hockey, <laughs> you know? Oh, so, yeah. like cutting cutting out impact uh, – two hours a week is is not always the hardest of choices no i I completely understand man i'm the exact same way i check out their big pay-per-views and sometimes if i get a chance i'll check out their television show but my main thing is i don't have really a way to watch it so i gotta figure out other ways to watch it if you will but it's not that i don't you know i want (laughs) to watch it on the damn channel you guys don't have it on Twitch. I'm, you don't have it on YouTube TV. What the fuck you want me to do? Get cable just to watch you? No, not happening. Fuck off. I have cable, so I record it each week. I just I know that there's like five or six episodes I haven't watched. That's how far I am behind. So they're sitting there on my DVR. I'm sure one day I'll get bored. There'll be nothing on for me to watch or nothing cool coming out to stream, and I'll click on those and veg out on the couch and watch all the episodes of impact i missed which is not the way you want to watch wrestling but um they're there if i want them so i caught the match and it was actually a really good showing um i'm not going to tell how i caught the match but anyways just reference the last thing we're fucking talking about and figure it out if you want to know but ricky steamboat tagging with ftr for his last match it ended up being nick aldis on the other side with macho machismo who was there exactly like I thought, and also Brock Anderson with Arn Anderson in their corner. Really awesome match. All I'm saying, man, it's not the same reaction I had from Flair. No offense to Rick, and now he's saying that he's inspired by Ricky and knows that he could put put on a, a better match than he did beforehand. Rick, just stay out. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying. He's Ricky Steamboat. You're Ric Flair. You're a great wrestler. You could go on. For long periods of time, you even would jump up. But Steamboat, it just, I don't know, man. He just, he's incredible for his age. And for not being in the ring that much between him and the retirement match at SummerSlam, you know, a long time ago with Chris Jericho, he looked really good for his age. And I just want to say thank you, Ricky Steamboat, for being a badass. If you haven't got a chance to watch it, you can find it. Just look for it. That's all I got to say. I'm trying to, like... I'm skating on thin ice right now, Chris, if you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> There's a uh, website called watchwrestling.com slash LA. I'm put that out there. I have uh, I have not watched any of this. I heard that it was um, a good match, but I, I haven't gotten around to watch it. So, but Dude, I'm glad Briscoes that and Rock and Roll, Chris, was awesome. So I did see parts of that match, uh, highlights from that match, but I haven't went and watched the entire match. Um, I need to. But 
with everything that was happening last weekend and stuff, I just I haven't had a chance to see it. It sounds like it was a fun event, though, from everyone that was there and all the reviews I've heard. Yeah, go Steamboat, man. If you want to keep on wrestling, just go for it, man. If the Sparks show, if that's it, that's it. You said it was that. Good for you, man. You're still a legend, but, you know, he also had FTR in his, uh, and, I mean, he was working with Jay Lethal, Nick Aldis, and even though Brock's greener, he's still a pretty good, efficient in-ring wrestler. So he had good people to bounce off of, good people in his corner. But still, Ricky looked great for his age. I'll just leave it at that. Once you get a chance to watch it, Chris, I think you'll agree with me. Yeah, I mean, that was my immediate thought, is that you get, if you got FTR, Jay Lethal, Ricky Steamboat in a match, it's probably going to be pretty good. Yeah. Black machismo. Mm-hmm. So is that me doing an impression of Jay Lethal, or is that me doing an impression of Macho Man saying the black? I don't know. I'm just <laughs> it's an impression of you doing an impression. <laughs> I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. Um, <laughs> all right, uh, let's let's get into full gear, man. We're a little bit off, but still, it was a great pay per view. A lot of awesome matches. Uh, we got a little bit of a pre show. I I got to be honest with you. I think I missed the first match, but it was a big tag match, 10-man tag on the pre-show. Best friends, Chuck, uh, Trent Beretta, Orange Cassidy, Rocky Romero, and not Danhausen. I did see some of the stuff from this, but I guess evil Danhausen, who actually wrestles. I guess that's the, the, the quirk. I don't know what the hell it is. It's like, it's like he's like a, a parody of Finn Balor and the Demon, but his own special like little Simpsons uh, you know, uh, Spinguli version, if you will. But, uh, yeah, it was weird seeing a uh, highlight of uh, him taking, you know, bumps and just acting like a real worker in there against QT Marshall, Aaron Solo, Lee Johnson, Nick Camarado, and Cole Carter. But, of course, Best Friends won. Good for them. I kind of wish that Orange was in a match for the All-Atlantic title, honestly, but... You know, this is what they went with, and uh, they're still going with it in some extent. So, I don't know. Did you get a chance to watch this? Did you see Evil Danhausen, Chris? Uh, so, I saw this after the, the fact. I, I did okay. miss it of the night, but I, I did see the uh, the OC Orange Cassidy match with his, the best friends. There you go. That's what I was looking for. Uh, but they were going against the factory, so it gave zero fucks. <laughs> Don't they do this match like what every was, other pay per view? <laughs> so it's <kinda> exactly. <laughs> what was uh, uh, what was evil Dan, Danhausen like? Was he very evil? Uh, very nice, very evil. Uh, I, I didn't notice that much of a difference between him and Marvel. <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I mean, other than he was wrestling here and not just yeah, being and he a had manager. like he had like blood, I guess, coming from his mouth. Like I don't know. It was it was interesting. I'll give him that. Um, then on the same pre-show, that's, they, they threw the Eddie Kingston match on that pre-show, which was weird because they spent so much time building it up and and building up Jun Nakayama and then they just threw it on the fucking pre-show. It was kind of weird. And he beat him in uh, about 10 minutes and then, you know, praised him and they did a bow and then he looked to the heavens and had the microphone said, um, rest in peace. He, he said like a lot of people. So re- I think it was like Misawa, um, you know, Anoki, Baba, and, and all the wrestlers, Kento Kobashi, that are still here. Like he, he listed a bunch of them and said, I just hope 
that I'm making you proud in some way. So I thought that was kind of cool. I'm glad that MJF referenced Eddie Kingston because, like, unlike other wrestlers, I think that that means something, you know. So I'd like to see Eddie doing something better than what he's doing. But if right now if they don't have a lot for him to do and his whole thing is going to be fighting Japanese legends, all right. I mean, I'm sure that he's enjoying this. I just would enjoy other things for him, Chris. I think that he's that good, honestly. Not the best fucking technical wrestler or anything like that, but he's he's a he's a whole package, man. He's a kind of a a lot of people have said it, you know, Dusty esque in a lot of ways um, for having that type of thing going for him, if you will, if you will, I should say. I, I mean, I'm all for you know Japanese legends and and you know, getting to see some of those matches. But at the same time, Eddie Kingston was one of the hottest stars they had for a while. So I don't know why they would just relegate him to like the pre-show and not actually do something bigger with him. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to say that I am bored of that. If that's going to be the thing, because the last like two pay-per-views was him well, three really. Um, because they did the New Japan pay-per-view, right? Was him doing some kind of one of these matches? It seems like the, those have been his primary storylines. And I know he wants to work with these guys, and, and they're um, going that route. But it's like, I don't know like how how many people of your viewing audience knows who Junakiyama is. Here's an idea. If he loves doing this so much, and you guys aren't doing anything with him... Instead of trying to find little spaces to put fucking Eddie in, you you know two federations, one especially that you're working <laughs> with actively, DDT and especially New Japan, that you could fucking have him go over. Unless he doesn't want to go over, which I just don't understand. I don't know if he has a wife and kids. That might be obviously something. But like a month or two and let Eddie just have some fun in fucking New Japan, fighting legends, fighting current people. <laughs> And then come back with all of that, like, I think it'd be better than what the fuck he's doing now, honestly. Yeah, like, I'm, I can't argue with that. I, I just, I, it just sucks because he was so over and had such a good run going. And then they did, like, six matches with Jericho and then kind of never got back to it. You know, they never got back around to whatever they were originally planning with him, which is just unfortunate. And just completely different, but similar he's got this ddp thing going for him and the fact that he's older he thought he was never going to make it to that level he was kind of like laughed at by certain things and then he got himself the fuck over and became huge with the audience because of himself and believing in himself and i still think maybe maybe more so the ring of honor but i think there's a chance for eddie to have a really meaningful title run and uh, just be used at a higher level than this. So I don't know, but we're we're broken records at this point. They're gonna have to do something with him and Moxley, I would think, since Moxley's group is in fucking complete disarray. So maybe that's how they get back to there, and, and maybe that's the reason, also the reason that you have MJF mentioning him. But uh, I hope that is not the case. And the reason I say this is I don't want to see your main event tied up with fucking like five v five matches. Yeah. No, same thing. Uh, what are you going to do? Um, also on that same thing was the finals 
for the Eliminator Tournament to find the or the semifinals, I should say. Whoever would win this would go against Ethan Page, and we'll talk about that match. Uh, we had Ricky Starks, and Brian Cage. They had a really good match. It's on the pre-show. Obviously, since the finals are going to be at the next Dynamite, so they didn't put on the main card. Ricky Starks was hurt. He got fucked up and somehow won with Lance Archer previous before this, and Lance destroyed him for it afterwards after already kicking his ass. And it's kind of like, I guess Lance at this point is, I don't know, if you're building Brian Cage, even though I really like Ricky Starks, I want him to have a cool feud leading up to Winter's Coming with him and fucking MJF going off back and forth. They're good friends. They've known each other for years. I think they'll play off each other great. I like Ricky Starks. Not a good place to have Paige, I don't think. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah, it's almost like that they've moved past him at this point. Um, Again? I, I hope they know. start up this Ring of Honor show soon, because certain people need a different place to live, I think. Yeah, that's. I was about to say the exact same thing, is that they need to get whatever they're doing with Ring of Honor off the ground, um, because they have guys kind of in positions to be Ring of Honor people specifically. And they're just trying to shove them into the main roster randomly with with no long term uh, long term story booking. So it's just kind of unfortunate. I think that you know Brian Cage could be a big star if if used properly. And I mean, if you, if you weren't going to use him, why did you like put him over so hard when he was coming in to begin with? I mean, I don't know. He's kind of I know he got hurt um, at one point, but it is kind of weird how they how they've used him. It just doesn't make a lot of sense, but you know, what are you going to do at this point? Um, I'd like to see him tear some shit up in uh, ring of honor. You know, he doesn't have a lot of charisma. I think it's always been his problem. That's why he needs a good mouthpiece and just be a monster, man. He should be more like, I keep on saying like an ultimate warrior, than trying to have him like talk too much, you know. I don't know. I mean, if you got nothing for him to do, just have him and Wardlow run that match back a bunch, because <laughs> I enjoyed the fuck out of that. No shit, man. <laughs> or put him in a tag team with another giant guy and make them fucking just nasty fucking big man tag team, you know? Yeah, we've talked about that in the past. Like when you have these big guys, like put him and fucking Lance Archer in a tag team together and just have them be yeah like. A modern road warriors. Lance Archer, awesome. Nick Camarado, fucking um, Powerhouse Hobbs, signed fucking Odinson. There's plenty of guys that if you did that, it would be awesome. It really would. Yeah, me and you've talked about that plenty of times. If you don't have anything for these big guys to do, fucking put them together in a tag team. Get your like Ultimate Warrior, Demolition, Steiner Brother tag team. Because that's something they yep. don't have on the roster, which would be good when you have a lot of these smaller tag teams like the Lucha Brothers and uh, smaller, not being like popularity wise, but size wise, like your young bucks of the world. That's like kind of like perfect competition for them is just an absolute powerhouse tag team. And you know who I think could actually possibly take uh, the Ring of Honor titles from FTR? Brian Cage and another huge guy, if they're placed like a, a Road Warriors type of concept, that's actually believable. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't. That's the thing. It's like, whatever. But let's let's 
start the main, uh, you know, show. And when you start a show, if you want to start with a bang, start with a cage match. Um, now, Jungle Boy Jack Perry, he admitted in an interview that this was pretty much a tribute to him and Luchasaurus, one of their favorite matches, um, which was the first Hell in the Cell with Undertaker Shawn Michaels. If you couldn't guess by some of the spots they had, some of the bleeding parts, the fact that Jack Perry had the black, you know, trunks with those white symbols that were very similar to the the white hearts that Shawn would have all over that same exact, you know, outfit for the Hell in the Cell, Luchasaurus providing the concept of the Undertaker. My whole thing with steel cages, though, because we had Christian. He was there to distract and everything. But correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. I know that they have different rules when it comes to cage matches. But didn't this end up on the fucking floor? I mean, it's been two weeks, but I'm pretty sure they ended up outside of the cage fighting. I know they were trying to do more tributes for the Hell in the Cell match, but shouldn't the fucking steel cage just remain in the steel cage even if you don't have the escape option? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The point of the steel cage is to keep people out and to keep people in, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what happened. Christian Cage stole the key and unlocked the door, and they ended up going outside to do the tribute or whatever. But I think AEW's cage match rules is that you have to win by pinfall. You can't mm-hmm. just escape escape the cage. That, that's one of my problems with cage matches is like – Pick a fucking rule and stick with it, and I'm fine. So if, it, I'm pretty sure AEW has held pretty steady on, like, you still have to win by pinfall or submission in the cage match, whereas WWE, they do kind of the opposite. Like, sometimes you can escape out of the cage, and that's a win. Sometimes you can – you don't need, like, six different ways to win in a cage match. So it ends up becoming more about the finish than it does the actual match in between a lot of times. This match was fine. I mean, I just – I. <laughs> The storyline is not Jungle Boy and, and, and Luchasaurus, and it's going to take forever for Christian Cage to get back. So what is Jungle Boy going to be doing for the next six months? Are we just going to continue yeah. to see him versus Luchasaurus? Because that sounds boring as fuck. I'm not going to lie. Now, and then another weird thing, the match would conclude with Jungle Boy climbing the cage and jumping, doing the leap on top of Luchasaurus. And instead of taking the pin, he put him in the uh, snare trap for a submission victory I always think it's kind of weird when you just don't go for the pin but um it was a good opener but yeah those are always gonna be my problems with cage matches i like the tribute stuff it's one of my favorite matches too so that was cool and um you got a big win but like you said where the hell are we gonna see jack perry you know i don't know how long christian's gonna be out but he's supposed to be out for a while so just keep on having matches with luchasaurus i'm not gonna be at all enthused to be honest with you yeah, the it would almost be better to put him into a different feud until Christian can, you know, cost him a victory or something down the line. I, I don't think it's going to help yeah. either guy if they're just kind of stuck wrestling each other for, like I said, like I think it's going to be like six more months before Christian Cage is ready to come back. So, um, sucks. I don't know. I, I liked the match. I thought the match was a, a lot of fun, but. <laughs> When I think about the overarching storyline of, of what they're trying to do, it's just they're kind of in a bad spot with Christian Cage getting hurt, which is no one's fault. But I would almost move past this and come back to it later if I was booking it. 
Yep, I agree with you. All right, well, you had the uh, turn of the Elite. Uh, Death Triangle, Pac, Penta, and Ray Phoenix were going against Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Um, this was an 18-minute match, 40 seconds. And it was announced within this that this was going to be a best-of-seven series. So this would progress, you know, best-of-seven, been done by many wrestlers, Tully and, and uh, Magnum TA back in the day. Obviously, a more modern one, Chris Benoit and Booker T doing best of seven. This is a three on three best of seven. And I guess it's going to be, I'm gonna, I was, I was going to say this anyways. Uh, I'm pretty sure I know exactly what happened in this match, but I don't know what happened in this match. But that's because all of their matches are going to be exactly the same. Like the two that we just watched uh, from the week after this and then last week on dynamite because it's pretty much a lot of the same spots. They might've set it up last time a bit differently by starting a fight beforehand, but no, a referee that's completely not able to get anything done. Um, and there's, there's a spot like in every single one of them where Nick Jackson and Ray Phoenix hold hands and climb up the ropes and fight on top of the ropes. And, you know, it's just a lot of stuff that you've seen, but by incredible athletes, nonetheless, um, <laughs> the direction they chose to go that next dynamite after Kenny told everyone to like calm down about the whole CM Punk thing, <laughs> and then pivot to them doing a bunch of insults and uh, shout outs, if you will, to CM Punk, uh, whether it be fucking up a buckshot lariat or winning with a uh, go to sleep. No, no, no. They didn't win, actually. That's that's right. Uh, or, or biting, if you will. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I love these guys. I love all of them. I've just seen a lot of their stuff together, and it doesn't seem – it's out of order every single time, but it seems like a lot of these matches are format pretty much the exact same way. Uh, and I don't know. Chris, maybe you see differently. I just think that it's – you're going to see the same spots that you've seen a bunch of times. <laughs> and they actually it lost, which me and you did not think was going to happen. Uh, they went. It's now two to one uh, in the favor of D Dark Triangle in total. I, I guess my biggest thing is I don't want to see the same fucking teams wrestle each other seven times in general. Um, <laughs> not without there being some kind of – to me, like best out of five or best out of seven or whatever, it usually works better when you have two singles competitors that have great chemistry with each other. I mean a good example in recent – memory would be like Sheamus and Cesaro before they became yep. a tag team. Like, I think that worked well. And then they ended up being a good, really good tag team for a long period of time afterwards. I don't need to see the same trios match seven times. Like one, it's you, a trios match, <laughs> which I'm like, already you do this with two guys that, that are not doing much. Like you want a great intro for juice Robinson, have him and Jay lethal have beef right off the start. And then they do a best of seven or some shit to try to figure out, what to do. You know, I don't need three on three best of seven. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, the, the other problem with, they have, they had a lot of teams originally when they came up with the idea for the trios title. And it seems like it would be a good idea, but it, it it's what one of 17 tag or ta title belts now. 
and they don't have the same groups running that they had when the idea was initially pitched. Like, I, I just don't know that I give a shit about the trios division. I'm not going to lie. Um, even though I was, I was hyped for it originally because they had so many groups like that they could have done stuff with, but I don't, you're not even seeing them. You're just seeing dark triangle in the elite. It's kind of like the women's tag division in WWE. And isn't it so weird to the fact that, all right, they lost twice in a row. But the third match, the Elite beat them, but they still don't have the titles. Like, I don't know. This is such a weird concept. I would rather what's happening between Moxley and Adam Page be a best of seven than this. Like, yeah, I don't, I'll, I don't, I'll take that. Why is it a seven heaven match? They didn't even have... They they didn't really have beef going in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Lucha Brothers won... These tag belts after the elite had won them and got suspended. Is that like the storyline? Uh, it, it's that. And plus, we've seen not even in just an AEW, but we've seen this match, this particular trios match, a fuck ton over the years. I don't, yep. I don't, I, it, if I was going to bring Kenny Omega back, um, I don't necessarily know. I would have thrown him into a trios, whether that's what him and the Bucks wanted or not. I'd have been like, well, look, you want one hand shit in the other. This is what we're going to do with you. Um, but <laughs> whatever. Yep. Well, we'll find out by the end of it what happens. Um, all right. Next match. Eight minute match. Jay Cargill beat Nyla <laughs> Rose and finally got her championship back. I don't have it. I don't have any remembrance of how this match went, but it went at least storyline wise exactly where it should go and now we're gonna have jay cargill versus bow wow huh all right whatever yeah this match fucking sucked and i'm over jade cargill in general all right let's go on to the next one i thought this was a really good match 21 minute match 30 seconds chris jericho brian danielson claudio castanoli sammy guevara this is exactly i mean it, it was exactly how you thought it was going to go Danielson and Claudio said, look, when we're in the ring, we're competing. You know, we have no animosity. It's whoever wins. But with Jericho, it seemed like he was trying to manipulate Sammy. And Sammy turned on his ass. And they started, you know, towards the middle of the match, having back and forth. And then it just became, you know, pretty much what you would get from a four-way match, but with four really good professional wrestlers. And Jericho ended up getting the win. Um, so we're going to find out final battle who his next opponent is. I don't think that's been announced unless I'm going, no, 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 it is. It's Claudio, who I don't think is going to win it. Um, and we know where Danielson's now going probably for the title to avenge his, uh, his papa, Mr. William Regal, uh, which like I said, we'll get around to that. That was fucking crazy ending. Um, you know, a lot of stuff doesn't make my mouth drop when it happens and I saw it coming in the last couple seconds building up, and I still couldn't believe that they did that. And then I realized, oh, yeah, it's pro wrestling. But still, great job for MJF and, and, and Regal for making me <laughs> suspend disbelief for a couple seconds. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> we'll get to the ending of what happened with Regal, obviously, getting with MJF and fucking over Moxley. But uh, what do you think about this match, Chris? Chris Jericho's still the champ. Does Claudio have a chance in hell of beating him at final battle to get that title back? I don't think so. I thought the match itself was really, really fun, though. I This may have been my favorite match on the show. Not going to lie, but it was a uh, 
good match. They're going to continue to run this thing with Jericho. I, I don't know who they're going to put over Jericho. I, I'm assuming that he is just going to hold the title until they figure out whatever the hell they're going to do with the Ring of Honor brand. Yep, I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. But uh, if Jericho loses to Claudio, and it's like, I'm going to beat every Ring of Honor champion, and it's like it ended with Ishii, who didn't have the title before that, Cole Cabana, who hadn't had a title since the beginning. Like, all right, but, you know, Jericho has to make everything grand. He's like that. <laughs> so I get it. But, uh, it, yeah, it's like Dalton Castle. Like, everyone that he's beat has been kind of, I hate to say it, kind of mediocre compared to, like, what he was doing to uh, – what do you have? He had to go against like Juventud Guerrera and like all these other people. Um, <laughs> that was much Are, more impressive, basically. Nick Gage. <laughs> yeah. And no offense, I love Dalton Castle. I think that Cole Cabana is a good wrestler. I, I think Ishii is great, but he's not known for a fucking Ring of Honor because he had the goddamn TV title for a fucking handshake. Like, all right, whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. If only you've worked with you know, probably the most memorable champion in recent memory that's not under a WWE contract. If you're going to do this, why not bring in Jay Briscoe? Look, Jay Briscoe is still aligned with Ring of Honor. Tony already said, obviously, TV, not an option right now, but he's still a part of that whole entire entity. You have Jay Lethal, who does diddly shit. You got Samoa Joe. Maybe go for guys that are a little bit on a, a same level as a ring of honor champion to represent instead of who you went for but what are you gonna do tony tony Khan should stop being a little puss and walk into whatever fucking office he has to and go look we're a tv show that has two men grown grown men scissoring each other <laughs> are you really worried about jay briscoe that hard no shit man especially when well i don't even want to get in that whole entire thing but it's oh like, what are you gonna do it's just I don't know. I um so I, about, I, I'm trying I'm trying to think of other champions you could bring in to go against. I mean the problem is is all the ones of major note are signed to WWE basically, so Yep. There's a lot of them over there. Tyler Black, <laughs> Kevin Owens, yeah man. Sami Zayn. <laughs> like yep. uh AJ Styles, like people <laughs> Samoa I mean, Joe they have on the roster they can I mean they can run that back I, I guess I hate to say this but I really wish and I understand they had other stuff planned in storyline I wish this was just Brian Danielson and Chris Jericho settling their feud because they were at a rubber match but then it became a four way so I don't know now Claudio's going against him I don't see Claudio beating him at final battle but what are you gonna do and I like I do like that. One asked the after interview, or I think this is on actually Dynamite the next week. He was asked about Sammy and Sammy being a part of the Jericho Appreciation Society. And he goes, no, me and Sammy are competitors. He goes, in, in the heat of battle, that's the type of stuff that happens. He's still a part, and there's no problems with us, you know, and that they just kind of laid it like that. So, But he, he said it very heelish still and very manipulative. I can't remember the exact things that he said, but, I mean, all you need is that. What would have pissed me off is that they didn't say anything, and then him and Sammy are hugging like motherfuckers like two seconds after they had like a big ass brawl for this title, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I don't. Yeah, it is. It's weird. Um, 
I was thinking about people they have on their roster. Is Eddie Edwards still there? No, um, he, he, never, he wasn't ever signed with them. That's right. Uh, no, he came and had a match, I think, with Jared. No, I don't know. Maybe Christian when he had the Impact title? I don't remember. I, I was going to say, out of people they have currently. Oh, Kenny, actually. Yeah, it was Kenny. They, they have Roosh, right? Um, Former champion. Like two, two-time ROH champion. They have Adam Cole. Bandito. Uh, Bandito. Um What's Matt Taven doing? Can they bring him in? <laughs> They're signed Chris, with them now. Chris, Christopher Daniels. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Da- Christopher Daniels isn't doing shit. Frankie Kazarian? Like, none of them. They're I kinda, all signed to your goddamn company. <laughs> I kind of wish they would bring PCO in just to but they're work like, Jericho. <laughs> hey, that would have been that would have been awesome. That would have been great. But like, it's like, hey, instead of bringing anyone that's signed, we're gonna bring in Ishii. We're gonna bring in fucking Dalton Castle, who is who isn't signed. Which I I like Dalton, I really do. But I'm just saying, like, doesn't make any sense. But then if he beats Claudio and he keeps on going, and this is inevitable. And eventually down the line, someone takes the title off of him, then I'm fine with it. But Claudio better not beat him because it makes absolutely no sense if that's what he was like. I'm going to beat every champion unless they're not a champion and they're an old Tad champion or something. I don't know. I hope they bring in fucking Loki. Why are we? (laughs) Why is Loki, man? I don't know. Just the idea of him and Jericho having a match. (laughs) It's pretty funny. I would rather look. If I'm Jericho, I'd rather have another match with Nick Gage than fucking Loki. Honestly, <laughs> it depends on what Loki you get that day. <laughs> so stoic for being such an aggressive dude. Ugh. Anyways, all right, let's go to the next match. Soraya had her first match back. Her brother was in the front row. Very emotional, and I thought her and Britt Baker had a pretty good match. Um, you know, you could tell that this she's coming off not wrestling for a long period of time. And I thought that she should win. And she should, she did win. Uh, 12 minutes, 30 seconds. Britt Baker taking the fall against Soraya. And uh, I think that's the right way to go. I don't remember a lot of details. I'm sorry, guys. Two weeks ago. But I remember not disliking this match like I did the other women's match beforehand. Uh, that I thought was just ridiculous. But... Um, what did you think, Chris, about this? I thought the match itself was good. It was kind of surprising how good it was, considering this is Paige's first match in, like, what, six years? Yeah, um, since 2017, 18, I think. Yeah, it, it, it was it was a good match. I mean, nothing to complain about. My only problem is more of the storyline, because they decided kind of midway through to make Paige the heel in this feud. Which was a weird choice. Dude, but... who the fuck are heels and baby faces in this goddamn organization? Like we're about have... I love that Moxley and Paige are about to have a match, but who are we supposed to cheer for out of the two of them? Yeah, so that I mean that and then even on Facebook, like someone messed like just had tagged her saying like not sure who I'm supposed to cheer for here. Who's the heel? Who's the baby face? And Paige was like, does it matter? And I was like, yes, <laughs> it actively fucking matters. Oh. I hate when people say dumb shit like that. So <laughs> it does matter. <laughs> you should have one person you want to win and one person you want to lose. Otherwise, why the fuck? If, if 
there's a like a famous quote by Dale Earnhardt, and he's talking to Jeff Gordon when Jeff Gordon first came in, and Jeff Gordon's kind of sad because people are booing him. And Dale Earnhardt basically said, you know, uh, it's when people don't have any reaction to you at all. That's when you got to worry. Exactly. <laughs> Which exactly. Is when they don't give a fuck. <laughs> did, 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 rest in peace, Dale Earnhardt. I'm, I'm assuming that he used to watch uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling when he was younger. Probably. <laughs> um, but he knows heels and babies. It's not you can't. <laughs> Look at what your competition is doing. If they're caring more about heels and babyface than you, then you're you're fucking up because <laughs> uh, WWE's out here making clear cut babyface and heels right now with Triple H in <laughs> in charge. It is important. People want to cheer for one person and boo the other person. If I don't care about either team, then I'm probably just not going to watch it, regardless if it's wrestling or sports in general. I think that is the the mindset of people watching any kind of competitive thing. You want to pick one person to cheer for. No, but, I completely but, agree with you. Now I do have an interesting fact for you. Cause I just looked up the ring of honor champions. Uh, Jericho has held this belt longer than Jerry Lynn, Claudio homicide, Loki, CM Punk, James Gibson, and Kyle O'Reilly on this. Wow. <laughs> Damn. There's only seven people ahead of him that have held the belt longer. One of them he's not going to catch, which is uh, Davey Richards and Kevin Owens held the thing for over 300 days, so basically a full year. So I don't think he's going to get there. Dude, but that's another person I'd love to see go against Jericho. I'm sure – I don't even think Davey's held down to anyone. He's been on Impact recently. He's been on MLW. Hey – do you want to do a match, Davey, on Rampage or Dynamite against Chris Jericho? You'll have to lose. Uh, yeah. And then we get a fun match. Like, what the fuck? Are you... What's with Kyle O'Reilly? Is he still, is he hurt still? What's going on? Yeah. We don't know if Kyle's coming back, man, from everything I've heard. God damn, they brought the Undisputed Era back and they all got fucked up he, in he, one way or he, another. Uh, <laughs> he got, he uh, had a next fusion, I believe. Um, mm. Yeah. That sucks. Yep, I hope the best for Kyle, Adam, uh, Big E. We've said it a lot of times. Hope you guys are doing better because we miss you in the ring. That's for damn sure. And this might be a selfish concept, but we also wish you best health just in general. Um, if you're not going to bring in like Jay Briscoe, the only – I mean another champion I guess that's out there if you don't want to go straight to Brian Danielson would be Austin Aries if you want to go that route. Oh, God. I think he's on the island with Teddy Hart and fucking um, <laughs> uh, Velveteen Dream and and uh, all the other people. The, the bad toys, Alan. Uh. <laughs> we, all, we always say that, but then, like, he shows – he'll show back up. He, like, resurfaces. Randomly. What the hell does what, – what the fuck does Cordak call him? The fucking turnip eater, I think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so, something like that. It's 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 a it's uh, definitely him making fun of him because he's so he's like I've annoyingly never someone, vegan. <laughs> he's like I've never seen so someone so talented that was that much of a fucking pain in the ass to work with. Because uh, Cornell will put him over as a worker. He says that he watched a championship match with him and Davy Richards that was like an Iron Man match. Said it was amazing. They're both great athletes, and fucking Austin Theories is a fucking idiot. So, <laughs> yeah, Austin Theory, uh, 
everywhere he goes, he's really good, but he tends to piss people off. So, yep. Aries, but yes, I agree. Um, and like with this, Soraya, she said that she wants, uh, she wants a belt. So I actually would put her and pivot her against Jade, honestly. Um, and as far as what's going on with Jamie, maybe against Jamie, because that makes sense. Britt can get involved or something. But it looks like Britt Baker is going to be Jamie's biggest cheerleader to a point where it's going to start pissing off Jamie because she keeps on trying to grab the spotlight is what they're going for. I feel Chris. Yeah, I, I kind of I tend to agree with you here. Here's the problem with Jade Cargill's current run as the TV champion. The focus has been so much on the TV championship that it has undermined and kind of devalued your heavyweight championship. So if you're going to continue yep. to run that way, just have her be your fucking women's champion. There's no reason why she can't carry both both belts. Like I don't. If that's the route you're going to go, because like right now, like even on this pay per view, they put more emphasis on. <laughs> Jade's match with Nyla as far as like what they're putting on TV than they did uh Jamie Hayter, really, if you think about it. Yeah. Like, the the women's heavyweight championship got less coverage than the other two women's matches <laughs> that were on the show. Yeah, it's good that they had three women's matches on the pay-per-view, but I agree with you completely. That's a very, very good point. Not only that, I mean, I know it's for final battle and we're gonna be getting uh Athena Ember Moon going against Mercedes Martinez. Um, but they have fucking three women's champions. They got the <laughs> TBS champion, they got the Ring of Honor champion, and they have the AEW champion. Yeah, that's the thing is Jamie Hayter gets this big win, but she didn't really win. She, I mean, she won, but she's the interim women's champion. Well, I'm glad that they announced that. This is a, this is a good thing <laughs> so, to announce. So now it is no interim because we don't know when Thunder Rosa will come back. Her back is that fucked up. Like, she was on Busted Open, really emotional about it not too long ago. And just saying, man, that she she couldn't get out of bed sometimes. And, like, at first it was that she couldn't move her fucking legs. So I'm hoping – that's another person. I'm hoping for the best for Thunder Rosa. But it is not uh, the the interim. It is officially Jamie Hayter is a champion, and they are counting Tony Storm's reign as champion as a part of the uh, the whole thing. So – I'm glad they went ahead and do that. Hey, Tony, I know you like UFC. Interim championships, I don't think belong in professional wrestling. I don't think it works out. The only time it has really made sense and worked that I can remember in the past 10, 15 years is when CM Punk won the title and just fucking left with it. <laughs> and we yeah. bring it back. <laughs> it worked in that sense where they're like, all right, I guess we'll make a new belt and do a tournament. Um, that made sense, but like, yeah, in this situation, uh, it, you should do the, what, what most companies has done. If you can't defend the title within 60 days, then you're just stripped of it. Yeah, no, I completely and, agree. All right. Well, we got our next match for the AEW TNT championship three-way. And not exactly like I thought it was going to go down, Chris. I think I had the exact opposite, actually. I predicted that between the TMT champ Wardlow, Smojo, and Powerhouse Hobbs, that Wardlow would not be a part of the decision, which was true. He wasn't. 
Uh, so technically he didn't lose, but I thought that Powerhouse Hobbs was going to take out Samoa Joe and get that belt. He put Wardlow more position for the world heavyweight picture, and Samoa Joe still has the Ring of Honor television championship, so he can do things with Ring of Honor. But instead, Wardlow was taken out, and then fucking Samoa Joe choked Powerhouse House uh, out, and now is the king of television, is how he's calling himself, Chris. Because <laughs> he's got the AWTV champion, technically, the TNT championship, and also the Ring of Honor TV championship. And I love it, man. It's awesome. I think it's great. And now Darby's coming for that TNT championship, and Juice Robinson will be going for uh, Joe for the Ring of Honor TV championship at Final Battle. So he's got he's to look over his shoulder, but it's fucking Samoa Joe, man. He doesn't have to do shit. He just looks like a badass. Did they tell us headed into this match that both titles were on the line? Because I don't remember that ever. No, being. they weren't. They weren't. It's only the TNT. He just happens to be the Ring of Honor television champion in the match. So now he has both titles. <sighs> right. He's got to defend both titles. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, so Joe had nothing to lose in this match in theory because his belt wasn't on the line. Okay, uh, that that was something I was like, did are both belts on the line? It just, I mean, because it worked out that way because Joe won, so now he has both belts. I gotcha. Uh, this was a really fun match. Uh, I like Wardlow a lot. Jim, Samoa Joe's great as always, and I think there's a lot you can do with Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, I did did I give the prediction Joe that Joe was going to win? I don't remember what my prediction was for this. You might match, have, but I, I have just, no problem with Joe winning. None here. of these guys need to lose, basically. But yeah, I think you did have <laughs> Samoa Joe winning. Yeah, I, I um, I don't know. I'm fine with Joe having both belts. That's fun. Uh, maybe he should pimp smack smack Jericho, who's out here saying he's going to take out every Ring of Honor champion. <laughs> that might be where I went next of this. Fucking put all the belts on Joe. That's what I'm saying. I'm always down for some OJ. Hey, man. Belts. <laughs> if you're a badass Polynesian wrestler, it, you look a hell of a lot better with two championship belts on both your shoulders. Looking at you guys, Usos and Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe. <laughs> the Samoa named Joe versus yeah. Samoa Joe. <laughs> <laughs> God, that was a pretty fun. God, how the fuck did they fuck up on Samoa Joe? I'm, sh- I'm sure Triple H... Just like Regal, just like certain other people, he's like, come on, Joe, just uh, give me a phone call when you know what's going on with your contract. <laughs> but I'm glad he has uh, two belts, man. Yeah. And they're using like, him. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, maybe Samoa Joe tried to choke Tony Khan out if he doesn't get utilized. <laughs> if he had that cockeye going for him, what are you screaming at him? I'd be scared if I was Tony. I really would. Hey, Wendy. Hey, Wendy. <laughs> Samojo's great. <laughs> this match was really good, too. I have absolutely no problem with it. Um, the only complaint you could really make is that if you're trying to get Powerhouse Hobbs over, maybe he should have won here. Um, it would have been a big win for him, but it's it's also Samojo, so it's kind of hard to complain too much. Yep. All right, so the next match that we had, Sting and Darby Allen going against Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Uh, Satnam Singh and Sanjay Dutt were in their corner. This was a tag team match, but no disqualification. Part of me wants to just say it, so I'm going to do it. Lazy booking. <laughs> I don't have a problem with it, but uh, JC says it. Um, But this is a fun match. 
but I will say it's kind of predictable. I love the fact that Sting wants to fight in the audience and wants to jump off the top of, you know, some fucking entranceway and shit like that. And he did. And God, like, there was two times. I'm I'm assuming that maybe you should not think that's because Satnam Singh is almost eight feet fucking tall, that he would be a good base for this. Because between the catch for Sting and then later on when fucking Darby jumped off the ladder and he was this close to not catching him and Darby eating shit, that scared the fuck out of me. Uh, <laughs> but they would end up winning. It was a fun match. I love Darby. No selling the fucking the uh, trying to do. Basically, he tried to do the uh, the coffin drop, got nailed by Jeff Jarrett with a uh, with a guitar. And popped up like Sting and fucking beat at his chest. And, you know, <laughs> I thought it was great. It was it was fun. It's like Darby starting to do the Scorpion Death Drop. He has done the Scorpion Death Lock and then moved into his, uh, what was it called? The uh, Last Supper when, you know, it wasn't working before. And now he's 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 powering up and doing his, uh, his, his best version of his uh, mentor. So I love it. I, I fucking, I think it's awesome. And now, like, like we know, it's been announced. That it's going to be Darby, Sting, and Muda for one of his last matches as the great Muda against three other people. We don't know who it is, but, man, I love Darby Allen. He's one of my favorite homegrown person from this. Obviously, I saw him in Evolve beforehand, but this is primarily the place that Darby has built himself. And, yeah, he's reckless, but he appreciates and respects the business. Uh, you know, he's always up to bat for some of the legends, takes advice for him. The only vice, unfortunately, he's not going to take is putting his body on the line like he does. But, you know, God bless him, man. That's all I got to say. It's kind of crazy to think that... Sting's awesome, too. All of these guys are fucking great. <laughs> well, Satinum Sting's all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's, let's point that out. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if they did the same spot in this in this match, but I know, like... One of my favorite spots I've seen in wrestling in quite a while is when Darby, you know, he does like crazy running suicide dive he does where yeah. it's like 100 miles an hour when he just bounced off Satnam Singh. No, oh, man. I don't know if it was this one, but that was awesome. I think it was this one and Singh just stood there like it was yeah. nothing. Like he hit a wall. Oh, it's fucking awesome. I thought that was a great spot. Uh, man, think you think about like uh, Evolve, right? Yep, and we were just talking about it. You you have right now people who are big parts of various companies. You have Matt Riddle, <laughs> uh, um, God, uh, what's the TV champion's name? Why am I slipping on it so hard? He's from here, um, in WWE. He was the Money in the Bank guy. Austin Theory. Austin Theory. God yep. damn it. Uh, Austin Theory and uh, Ethan Page. Uh, Ethan Page, Darby. Joey Janela, Darby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like great alum from Evolve. Evolve is a. Th- Keith Lee was from Evolve. I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was getting at. Um, probably makes a lot of sense why WWE rehired him recently. Hey, people, people need, for the modern times, need to put some spect on the name of Evolve and Lucha Underground, because both of those bases are the reason why we've had some of these great wrestlers pre-AEW, and even, like, competing with NXT, man, honestly, Evolve. That's why they uh, acquired them, and I'm glad Gabe is over at WWE again, but 
I like that Gabe Sapolsky gets fired like once a year by WWE. Though. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I don't think he's going anywhere. If dude, if Triple H gets fucking Regal back, he's got his team. You know what I'm saying? Like he's got Gabe Sapolsky. He's got fucking Paul Heyman. He'll have William Regal. He'll Shawn Michaels. I mean, he doesn't need a fucking other person. Really. If they're going to do a like a network TV show, which they've kind of talked about because they don't know what they're doing with the cruiserweight division right now in WWE, there was that plan to let Gabe run an Evolve yeah. show on the network. Wasn't it going to be called NXT Evolve? Yeah, like I think that would be pretty cool. Maybe maybe do that. I mean, that, this is a little off topic. It's just we're talking – you were talking about Darby. When you mentioned Darby and Evolve, I was like – God damn, the roster they had involved during that time period was pretty fucking stacked. <laughs> yes, it fucking was, man. Uh, all right. Uh, we already talked about it a little bit, but women's uh, – this was a great match, too. And, yeah, you're right. It's funny that the buildup uh, with the three women's uh, matches on here, this had the least. And this was actually for the AEW uh, Women's Championship. Good friends, now turned enemies. Jamie Hayter ended up beating Tony Storm. 15-minute match. These ladies kicked the shit out of each other. Um, and I just have to say, man, I mean, Tony seems like now her position is trying to build herself back up for that title. But, you know, she's not forgetting that Jamie Hayter is, is trusting. It's kind of similar in a way to how Kevin is projecting Sammy, you know, with the Usos and everyone. Like, these aren't your real friends. They're going to turn on you. Like, that's how Tony is kind of approaching Jamie Hayter with uh, Britt, uh, you know, backing her. So I just thought that these these both these women are fucking awesome wrestlers. And they had a great match. And Jamie Hayter, like a lot of us wanted, won. And the audience went crazy. So good job, Jamie Hayter. <laughs> I like that they put more focus on everyone else that's not Jamie Hayter. And she's the most over person <laughs> in the women's <laughs> roster right now. She is, man. She's awesome. It's just funny. Um, yeah, Jimmy Hader's great. I like Tony Storm. I think that her title run was just kind of boring, and she didn't ever really uh, connect with the crowd. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know that. Dude, it's so crazy because remember how much she connected with the crowd in NXT UK and especially NXT, like. It just the main roster in AEW, she hasn't been able to get over to that level like she did and stardom, too. Yeah, it's like I don't know. It's they didn't do enough job of building her up before they gave her the title. And I don't then, know, you know if, if I'm Dr. liking. Rosa. Overly, I don't know if I'm liking overly tough uh, Tony Storm. I kind of like it when she's fun, you know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's it's a weird one for me. Um, I have not been a fan of her AEW run. All right, getting towards the end. Two last matches. First, we have the acclaimed. Max Caster and Anthony Bowens going against Swerving Our Glory, Swerve Strickland, Keith Lee. And famously in this match, I mean, I knew it was going to happen, a, a, you know, a couple miles away. Swerve kept on trying to fucking heal it up and, you know, win, win by any means. And Keith Lee finally was like, man. You're never going to fucking change. I don't I don't trust you and left his ass. And the acclaimed ended up winning. And they should have those championships. I love what they set up with the acclaim last night on Rampage saying they won the best tag team 
versus the guns came out. Um, they were claiming it, and then all of a sudden Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett came out. They want some, and they're like, no, we said the best tag team. And FTR's music hit. They hit the ring, and they shook hands, and it looks like FTR will be going against uh, the Acclaim, which I'm really looking forward to. Because to me, they are my two favorite tag teams right now in AEW. Um, so having them clash will be great. And I love the Acclaim, man. I mean, they're not like, like obviously the, the Young Bucks, the Lucha Brothers. There's other tag teams that have more in sync, fluid nature to them. Um, and, and FTR, all of them have had experience being a tag team for a long period of time. But they're so fucking entertaining. Max Caster's getting better and better. He's great on the mic, but, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Ass is, is, is great as their, their, their manager, if you will, with Billy Gunn and Anthony Bowens is a fucking monster when it comes to being in the ring. He's very flawless with his movement. So this was fun. I like what they're doing and I can't wait to see the acclaim go against FDR. Yeah. It feels like we went around our ass to get to our elbow, um, but I am excited for that match. This the this is like exactly what you predicted as far as uh, one member of that other tag team swerving our glory walking out. I think that was the exact prediction you had. Um, I what I was a little worried about originally is they were saying Bowens was hurt, uh, so I thought they were that it was going to be like Daddy Ass filling in for him, which I was completely Dude, fine. honestly, they they really I don't know if they're working the dirt sheets. But making it seem like that that uh, obviously that injury was was not real, but everyone really thought that he fucked himself up, and I think they did a good job of whatever they did to make it seem like that was true, you know? Yeah, and it, they, I mean, even if they did, I mean, they have like an out because they could just put Billy Gunn in there with whoever, right? <laughs> Freebird rules. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. I like this match a lot. I'm, I, I like the Acclaims. I think they're a fun tag team. It, out of all, they have other really good tag teams in AEW. <laughs> but maybe outside of the Young Bucks and Lucha Bros who are locked up in this trios thing, the Acclaimed are definitely one of the most overacts they have. So I would I would run with it. Um, so it makes sense bringing FTR back. I, I should say most overact. FTR is super popular as well. It's just they're never on fucking TV until this week. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It's gonna be interesting. Uh, really interesting. In case we forget to talk about it, speaking about swerving our glory, you know, it seemed like from Keith Lee's perspective they were done. But who came in last night? One of my actual favorite wrestlers from Modern Ring of Honor. Shane Taylor, Keith Lee's old tag partner that he screwed over back in the day or didn't like Shane's tactics, so he didn't want anything to do with them, and he basically called him out. Um, so at Ring of Honor Final Battle, we'll have him and one of the members of Shane Taylor Promotions. I forgot which one he said. And guess who was there to right away be like, I'll be your partner, was someone that he does not want to fucking tag with. And Swerve Strickland. So at Final Battle, we're getting Shane Taylor promotions against Swerve in Our Glory. And I hope that Shane Taylor is actually long-term. I think he's a great wrestler. For for a big dude, he's a great wrestler. He's believable. He's kind of like a fucking monstrous, like like if, uh, what's his name? Oh, man. Um, 
ECW alum that passed away recently that was a th- like a new Jack, if you will, but like big size, like Bam Bam Bigelow size. So always like Shane Taylor. So if he does become an addition for the future of Ring of Honor within AEW, I'm down for. But um, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> yeah, I like uh, I like Shane Taylor as well. It'd be interesting if they uh, pulled him in to do Ring of Honor stuff. I, I, that's the big question that's up in the air is what the fuck are you actually doing with Ring of Honor? Because if you're not gonna do a Ring of Honor show, if it was literally just to buy the video rights, then you probably should just get rid of those titles. I agree with you. Uh, I'd ask uh, you know Tony, but that would probably be. Very, very unfortunate type of conversation. <laughs> He's not taking Hey, Dave, how's it going? You're doing great. Yeah, man, I love you. You're great. Uh, what are we doing with those? I can't talk about that. I'm not allowed to disclose that information, but thank you for letting me talk to you. Oh, what else you want to talk about? Okay, hold on one second. Uh, all right, I'm ready for the rest. He's <laughs> got those crazy eyes like Brie Larson yeah. on the fucking red carpet. Jesus Christ. Yeah, his Jacksonville Jaguars had a big win over Baltimore Ravens, so he's he specifically was keyed up this week, I bet. <laughs> hey, any of you guys want to party? Sure, boss. All right. Uh, last match, the big match on here that I thought was a really good match. MJF beat John Moxley. We talked about the way it happened. You know, he comes out. MJF is babyface as hell. He's doing the same thing he's always doing, get the fucking audience up and into him and stuff like that. They are booing Moxley. You know, Moxley says, fuck it. He starts playing heel in this. When it gets towards the end, though, there's a ref bump. There's like fucking three ref bumps, but whatever. But there's a ref bump in which it seemed that MJF was going to go back to his old ways and use the dynamite diamond ring to help win against Moxley. And out comes William Regal. Saying that, no, you're not going to do that. You know, you need to fucking prove yourself. And that gets to him. Or does it? Because <laughs> that's the whole entire thing. Another ref bump happens. Uh, you know, John Moxley gets his move on MJF. No refs around to be able to do shit about it. So Regal tells him, hey, wake up the referee, revive him. All that happens. Brass knock out of the pocket, slid in the middle of the ring. It's MJF. MJF puts those things on, knocks out Moxley, gets the win, and William Regal comes in and raises his hand. And this devious little pairing happens until fucking last Wednesday where he blasted him in the back of the head with the same knucks. I said it going into this. MJF was going to win. Regal was going to help him out. MJF was going to go back to being full heel, that this was all a ruse. And I was right about all that, but I did not. <laughs> I thought this was going to be like a, a Bachwinkle fucking Heenan type of situation. No, MJF doesn't need anyone. He just needs himself and his confidence and his swagger. And he even fucking hospitalized William Regal and talked about how terrible of a wrestler Brian Danielson is. So uh, I wonder where that's going. Looking forward to it. That's all I got to say. But uh, yeah. I thought this match was awesome. I love the storytelling at the end. You know, I knew it was going to happen, but I still didn't see it coming when it happened. And, uh, or I, I saw it coming, but like, it still shocked me, which is great. That's what wrestling is supposed to do. So 
Everything with MJF, the two storylines that are holding me key in wrestling right now are everything that's involved with MJF and AEW and everything involved with the bloodline, especially Roman Reigns within WWE. So good job providing more storyline for that. I thought this was a great ending. And you didn't need any fucking special anyone coming out for this pay-per-view. I thought it was a very solid pay-per-view overall. Chris, what did you think? If you're talking, you're still on mute, buddy. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was trying to unmute it. It froze there for me for a second. But uh, yeah, I thought this was a very good match. And uh, I'm happy MJF won the title. I think the... I would almost say they overcomplicated the ending. If you just wanted to have William pass him the knocks that may, you didn't need to do the ring. And then like Regal being like, no, don't use the ring. Like, I don't know. I think maybe they did a little too much there. Um, And also I don't think they know if they want MJF to be a heel or a baby face because he won here. This was supposed to be like a huge heel moment and the crowd popped hard as fuck, which Hey, man, uh, that's true, but they turned on his ass when he blasted Regal and also insulted them immensely. Uh, I'll call he, him he, Hicks and shit. He's having to do so much to get the crowd to hate him, though. I don't know how long he's going to be able to keep that up. One hell of a competitor, though. Like, I love MJF. People say yeah. that he can't wrestle. That's the funny thing. That's my favorite. I, yeah, they're idiots. I don't, I don't know. I I don't know how you watch any MJF match and go, he's a bad wrestler. You could say he's not the best person on that roster in the ring, I guess, but that yeah. doesn't. These are probably the same people that think CM Punk is a great wrestler. <laughs> or 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 think wrestling <laughs> is applied towards like you know nonstop move, maneuver, which wouldn't even be a CM Punk trait. But think that is if if you can. And I'm not, this is not me like saying anything against anyone that's inspired like that, but I feel like modern fans look more towards being able to do really spectacular aerial maneuvers than actual in-ring work and being able to, you know, tell a story in the ring nowadays, unfortunately. Yeah. You know who doesn't have to do a bunch of shit aerial and is fucking great? <laughs> Kazuchika Okada. You're you're damn right about that. God, I would love Okada versus MJF. That would be a fun fucking match. It would be a fun match. I I think MJF is a really really in good in ring worker. But like you were saying, if you're not if if, if you like spots, if you're more of a spot guy, uh, yeah, he's not gonna be your cup of tea. He wrestles a very old school, almost like a comparison I would make to him is he's kind of like young Randy Orton. Yeah. And that's the kind of match he's going to – this kind of match he's going to have. So if that's not your cup of tea, then – No, he's not going to blow you away with what he does in the ring. But what blows me away is how he tells a story inside the ring and makes it compelling. So it's all all in whatever you're you're getting into wrestling for. Right, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know that even if you even if you don't like that style of wrestling, you can't say that he's a bad in ring worker. Like he's not out here dropping anyone on their fucking heads. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's go over the other pay per view and get out of here, man. Another fun pay per view that happened last Saturday: Survivor Series War Games. Um, there are three matches that really stuck out to me. Out of all of them, uh, there's one match that's a complete dud. I think everyone obviously knows which one I'm talking about. 
But for the most part, I thought this was a very – I like the fact that it was short. Like, no offense to anyone, but, like, Saturdays I can try to make it. But Sunday, if you got a pay-per-view and you're going to be on until, like, 11.30, 12, like, fuck off, Jesus. It seems like this was just short and sweet. And WWE, especially in the Vince McMahon was known for prolonging fucking matches and having things stretch out and having way too much stuff on it. This got right to the meat of the matter. And that was it. Uh, the first match we had. The well, I will say this about WWE before before we jump in. All of their pay-per-views have been like ending at 1030 for the past like two years. Uh, which I really appreciate because I'm old. Me too, man. Me too. All right. So Team Belair, Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, Asuka. Uh, Mia Yim, Becky Lynch went against Damage Control, Bailey, Dakota, uh, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky, Nikki Cross, and Rhea Ripley. Um, some of the moments that were standout is the final, you know, face-to-face between Mia Yim and Rhea Ripley, but also Rhea Ripley squaring up with Becky Lynch. Um, we had a weird spot. What the hell did... So Nikki at one part towards the end had Alexa, had handcuffs, handcuffed her. She was trying to handcuff her to the uh, the turnbuckle or something like that, I guess to beat her down. But instead, Alexa hand, you know, handcuffed Nikki to her, and I, get, I guess that canceled them out of the match. The big thing that happened at the end is, and I love Triple H, who's explained this, you know, at the at the whole entire, you know, after thing. Um, what the hell are they called? A uh, conference thing? You know, it's it's Triple H's version of it. Obviously, AEW's more known for it, but uh, it was still a pretty interesting one. I definitely actually recommend watching it because of uh, Sammy's real emotion post-match was pretty cool. But uh, he was talking about Becky and, like, you know, all right, so, Becky, we're trying to get you back in here. And then he tells her, we want you to come back for war games. And Becky was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, that's what you want me to do coming back from injury? You're like, just let us know. And Becky, the next day, from what Triple H says, and I don't think he's lying, not only said, yeah, let's fucking do this, but said, I want to do that. I want to do a leg drop through tables off the top of the cage. And Triple H, are, are you kidding me? Like, you were just talking about not wanting to be a part of war games, and now you're, like, gun-ho about doing something. But she did it, man. And she put fucking EO and Kodakai through tables. And ended up winning the match uh, from there. So I thought that was a lot of fun. It was it was a good match. There were some sloppy parts. Some stuff fell apart. But for the most part, I thought it was a fun war games and a and a, and a good start for the pay per view. Uh, Chris, what did you think? I thought it was yeah. I thought it was a good start for the pay per view. Like you were just saying, the handcuff spot I thought was stupid. It didn't need to be Me in the too. match whatsoever. Um, but I, it was awesome to see Becky back. That was great. And uh, setting up that feud with Becky and Bailey, which I'm looking forward to. They, they have great matches. So uh, that should be really, really fun. Um, no, I, I agree. Don't I don't know how much more I can say about the match. I mean, the match itself is. There wasn't anything crazily impressive outside of that big Becky table spot, which is which is kind of a good thing because it made that spot pretty special, you know, so. Uh, it is crazy. I didn't realize, I didn't hear that, that Triple H stuff. That's funny. <laughs> hey, once you come directly back into this War Games match, no way. All right, I'm going to do it, but can I jump off something really high? <laughs> oh, it's funny. great. The 
within the press conference, Becky talks at one point about it, and she's like describing her end. She's like, I was terrified. And she's like, when I got up there, it was like, all right, let's do this. And, you know, <laughs> that's just adrenaline and, and how and how it works. But, yeah, I don't blame her for being scared. She just got injured. She just came back, you know. But, man, she didn't seem like it. So, big up some yeah. big uh, Becky. Everyone in this match is pretty talented, though. So, I mean, like, this is one of the safer matches she could have worked. At least she didn't have to go over to NXT and wrestle, like... <laughs> What's that skateboard girl's name? Cora <laughs> always, Jade. Yeah, at least she didn't have to go wrestle Cora Jade. I'd be more worried about that than a War Games match with the people that were in this one. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, all right. So, is there anything else I can remember from the match specifically? No, that was about it. I mean, I, I just want to see, honestly, at this point, I think WrestleMania. Seriously, should be Bianca Belair against Rhea Ripley for that title. Like they did at NXT fucking years ago um, for the title. But I want to see that on the big stage eventually. So I hope that that happens. But could be wrong. I think that Becky and Bailey are going to are gonna rock each other until WrestleMania. And they're going to probably have a feud until then. Because they're two legends and they have good matches. It'll just be fun. It's just funny because... Paley's actually really good at being a heel, Chris, for being such a fucking cuddly baby face originally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. When she came back, I thought she was going to come back as a baby face. That was kind of how I had it looked in my mind, but she obviously didn't go that route, and it's worked out well. I mean, it, she's been she's been fun on this run, for sure, entertaining. Um, that little back and forth that Becky and Bailey had on Raw leading to the that kind of the backstage brawl thing was pretty awesome. So I mean I'm I'm looking forward to that feud. I think you're probably spot on. They're probably going to do that for quite some time. I'm wondering if at Rumble you don't get both Charlotte Flair and Sasha back, and they may save both of them until then, and then set up something like the four horsewomen match again at Mania, which I think would be fun. I think enough time has passed that you could retell that story if you wanted to yeah i agree uh next match awesome fucking match i mean (laughs) you got finn balor you got aj styles they've only had one match in their career before this singles wise and that's the match that they had um where roman bray and a bunch of people got like sick and they couldn't make it to the pay-per-view so they pivoted the demon Finn Balor who would beat AJ Styles in a match. Uh, this one, it was good because the smart thing they did is obviously both of them have factions. Rhea's out. Mia's out. So the ladies are both out. So you have both uh, the, the good brothers on one side and Dominic and Damian on the other side. And when shit starts getting to the point where the heels are helping Finn Balor, they start fighting, they fight into the crowd, and they just fight off. So they're gone. So now we just have a one-on-one match between the two. I mean, here's the thing. You're going to see every fucking move AJ Styles does and every fucking move Finn Balor does. But what they do is fucking impressive. And they had a good match, almost 20 minutes. And AJ Styles ended up getting the win over Finn Balor. And, yeah, I, I like that AJ just has a thing about him. When he is working a limb in a match and he was working on – I believe the the left leg of, of Finn Balor throughout the whole thing, trying to get him to tap out. Um, 
from his leg lock. Uh, he's really fuck. He just looks like he's trying to hurt the dude, and he was doing everything the fuck up Finn. Um, but I thought it was an awesome match, man. These guys are really fucking talented. So of course they're not going to have a shitty match, but at the same time, nothing special, you know. But I mean that in the nicest way, you know. But it was still a good match, nonetheless. Chris, what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was a really good match. Uh, it's crazy to think they've only worked worked with each other one time. I would have thought that they had done some stuff in New Japan, but maybe not. Um, well, they were in different divisions in New Japan, so. Yeah, you would still think they would have came across each other in the G1 or something, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, that wasn't that the Saudi Arabia thing, where people got stuck over there, so they just had to randomly put that paper no, that show together. That's. That's when NXT came and uh, invaded, quote unquote, SmackDown. Yeah. This is when um, it was fit. It was uh, Bray and his wife, uh, who were still working for the company JoJo, and then Roman Reigns and someone else. They got um, it wasn't the mumps. It was something like that though, randomly, and they couldn't make it to the pay per view. They all got sick. And the, yeah, the match was supposed to be the Demon versus. Uh, Bray Wyatt, and he was acting like he was going to be a new version of himself based off of um, oh the sister, whatever the fuck, the stupid sister, thing. Oh yeah, 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 sister Abigail, where he we we were teased that he might uh, be in drag. Drag, yeah. Uh, they didn't do that. I wish they would have though. It'd been awesome. Yeah, he would look like Gunnar Hansen in the uh, dinner outfit. Yeah, instead of doing that, they were like, "Hey, you guys like Alexa Bliss." <laughs> <sighs> Oh, forgive me for that. Uh, yeah, that was awful. Um, yeah, this is a really fun match. I mean, I didn't expect it to be a, a you know, a bad match. These both of these athletes are fucking great, so it was a lot of fun to watch. It wasn't wasn't my favorite thing on the pay per view. I would say probably close second though, because the the men's uh, war games match was really fucking awesome. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And uh, as far as like AJ, I mean AJ's just the fucking best right like <laughs> i did notice that too like the way he the way he like if he decides he's gonna work the leg god damn it he's gonna work the fucking leg <laughs> his facial expressions are fucking amazing uh this is probably gonna piss some people off out there i don't give a shit about the the good brothers i don't yeah, i don't either honestly <laughs> they're they're just there to even the odds right now for AJ. <laughs> and eventually they're gonna hold him back but uh, I had we had like two years of them on impact and they didn't do anything super impressive except have like a kind of good match with the Briscoes. Oh, and apparently AJ Styles this is the first win he's had on a pay-per-view in like a year and a half. <laughs> That's not surprising. AJ just puts everybody over. <laughs> hey, man, you think I can go over fucking fans tonight? Jesus Christ, man, it's been about a year and a half. Yeah, the only person that has worse luck at these things is Finn Balor, so it makes sense that that would be his one win. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you put you, uh, throw throw fucking Ricochet in a three way match with them, no one will win. It'll just go to a time limit draw. <laughs> yep. All right, let's talk about this awesome match. Ronda Rousey with Shannon Baszler in her corner uh, against Shotzi. Uh, for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. All right. This is a situation where the bigger star, I guess, is thinking that she should lead it, but she doesn't know how to. And the other star that's been in wrestling for a long time is trying to, but 
there is a less cooperation style or I don't know. Things just did not go good in this match. I think the worst thing, and I I don't blame Ronda for not wanting to take the spot, honestly, because it just looked like, like, did they just fucking try to do this beforehand? She was on the apron, and it looked like Shotzi was trying to go out for a run out, Hurricane Rana, where she jumps up the top, gives her Hurricane Rana to the, it just did not work. It looked terrible. Um, Yeah, just not, not a good showing for either lady at all yeah this is one of those things where they tried to do too much with who they had in there like they should have simple they should have simplified the shit out of that match ronda rousey should watch a fucking hook match and just do a hook match whenever she's wrestling somebody yeah i agree i mean For she's a, a former months. judo olympian <laughs> like just do exactly what Hook does as the female version, and I think people will get that. It'll work, and you don't have to worry about taking fucking Hurricane Ronas and shit. Yeah, just seven minute match didn't need to. Uh, I don't know. It didn't even need to be that long. No offense to Shotzi, if you build her up properly and get her in a good position, it can change the dynamic of people's you know perspective on it. But if not, the fuck is I don't know. It just wasn't. It, and I love Shotzi. So does Chris. We both do, but. It's just reality, and obviously noted one other thing from this match. Ronda, at the end of it, looked in the camera while she was going up and said, I'm the real Queen Charlotte. So I don't know if that means anything, but could. Could possibly mean something. Yeah, I I mean, I I guess they could run that back. I don't know that I care. Me neither. (laughs) I would be more excited about, like I said, like the four, if they set up like four horsewomen at Mania, if they're building to that, then like. Oh, that would be so awesome, man. I, I think that's a cooler idea than just Ronda versus Charlotte again. Though I will be excited for Charlotte to be back. I think that uh, people bitching about this this Ronda match, it should really make you appreciate how fucking good Charlotte and Becky is in the ring because they cover up a lot of <laughs> a lot of Ronda's, Ronda's bullshit. Yep. She should be just killing people, man. She's all right. She's like way better. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in comparison. I think her in-ring work is way better than like a Bill Goldberg, but she should be doing Bill Goldberg-like things in matches. Short, sweet, I beat your ass, and have long matches with people that are, you know, competitors to that level, like a Charlotte, like a fucking Becky. But what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I bet this will piss people off, but you know, if you're gonna bury Ronda for her ring ability, you should also be out here banging. Uh, like burying Jade Cargill because they are about the same. I think Ronda's better than Jade though. <laughs> I've been way more impressed by Ronda than I have Jade Cargill, honestly. I mean, if you get what I'm saying though, like yeah. you can't. Yeah. Um, I, I just think that Ronda doesn't need to try to do as much. I, I think that they, they get in their own heads about trying to do like a five-star match and really yeah, she should no. just be having, she should be just having like a hook match. Like, yep. come out there, throw some suplexes, like, do the Brock Lesnar match. You know what I mean? <laughs> Have Heyman book her matches. I think that will go a long way. I agree. I completely agree. All right, next match, I think might be my favorite match of the night. Uh, well, my favorite, even though I thought Finn and AJ were great, my favorite in-ring match, while I think that the last match, my favorite match overall for best storyline. But there's a lot of pieces towards that. But Austin Theory... Seth Rollins, 
Bobby Lashley. Seth is the United States champion. And I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of iffy on the ending just because unfortunately Bobby is really fucking good at hitting the spear. This one, he didn't hit it really well. He basically kind of, kind of clotheslined Seth around the fucking stomach. But so Seth was about to go for the stomp. When he got in the air, he got fucking speared by Bobby Lashley. Austin Theory kind of fell in place on top of Seth accidentally, I guess, and beat both of those guys to become the new U.S. champion. But within the match, some of the stuff they did, like I love the spot where Seth was trying to figure out which guy to, you know, give the stomp to because they were both about to raise up on their hands. And he fucking jumped off of Austin Theories and just fucking obliterated Bobby Lashley. Um, I thought all these guys are great in-ring performers uh, for their own reason. Obviously, I think Seth is the most well-rounded out of the three. But uh, Austin won, and he kind of he had a great promo the last two weeks coming out. And then this last week, he's basically said that, like, you know, he's not a kid. He didn't have the worst. He, you know, you might think that I had the worst cash in, but who's the champion now? And Seth came out, um, told him to shut his mouth and let the people sing. They started doing his little background stuff. And uh, by the end of it, you know, called him a kid, which piss is, is apparently the trigger word for Austin Theory. Don't call him a kid. But uh, I like the direction they're going in for that. And uh, I thought this match was really good. Just very well thought out. A lot of cool spots. And I, I like all three of these guys. I like Bobby Lashley. I like Austin Theory. Uh, you know, nice Atlanta boy. And Seth Rollins is one of my favorites. Isn't like Austin Theory in his 30s, though? Austin Theory's still in his 20s, man. He's like an MJF, man. He's got so much ahead of him. Yeah, I can't, for some reason I thought he was like at least thirty, but I don't know. It's just with the kid thing. You're talking to like a 28 year old. I don't. Uh, anyways, yeah, I like 25. Match. Okay, god damn, he is way younger than I thought he was. Um, Top by just, Mr. AR Fox, who got signed to AEW. Yeah, out there at uh, was it a a four FW or whatever that Mr. Hughes's wrestling school before AR Fox took over. Um, but that being said, uh, this was a great match. A lot of fun. I like that theory got a big win. It seems like from whatever everyone's been saying in the wrestling media world, like your Dave Meltzer's that this was a reset. So having him drop that briefcase was kind of a way to start a reset on Austin theory, which I think is a good idea because the character they were building, uh, when Vince was there, obviously they never finished that storyline. So doing like the reset with, Vince not being Austin Theory's uh, weird sugar daddy or whatever the fuck they were doing. <laughs> All right, now get um, on the floor. We're gonna wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> does he? Does he have to? Did he have to settle a lot of court with Austin Theory as well? Um, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Jesus shots, shots, shots fired. Uh, no, <laughs> no, I, I like Austin Theory a lot, and I think it's uh, it's gonna be interesting to see what they do with him. I mean, they're gonna. I'm going to assume they're going to run him and Seth Seth back, right? And then, uh, I don't know. Maybe that's what they're going to do with Cody Rhodes. When he comes back is do like a USA or a US championship feud with Rollins, Cody, and uh, Rollins, Cody, and Austin Theory. I could see that happening just because. Hey, that would be a good Mania match, man. 
Yeah, because like if they're gonna if they if they are for, at this point they should know whether or not they're getting the rock. And if they're getting the rock back, that's gonna lock down your heavyweight title picture. So building out something with you know Seth, Cody, Bobby, and uh, Austin Theory for the U.S. title, I think that's a that's an awesome route to go. Absolutely. All right. The last match, the men's war game match. Honestly, like I said, my favorite because of the storytelling. I thought it was impeccable. 38 minutes. You got the bloodline, Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn, Solskjaer, and the Usos, Jay and Jimmy, with Paul Heyman in their corner against the Brawling Brutes, Sheamus, Ridge Holland, and Pete the Butch Dunn. That's what I'm going to fucking call him. Uh, Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens. All these guys are fucking good. Rich Holland, obviously, is the green guy, but, like, everyone else, man, just fucking awesome. Things to note before we get to the ending. Um, I love that when, you know, before this building up, Roman Reigns uh, had, a, had a little conversation with Jay. Jay told him that he had a conversation with Kevin Owens that he caught him having. And all Kevin Owens was trying to, like, get him to come to his side, and Sammy basically told him no. Like, I'm, I'm part of the Usos. And so Jay used that against him because he asked him, hey, did you talk to anyone just now? And Sammy told him no. So he told Roman. Roman wasn't happy. And before this, Roman had a co- conversation with Sammy. And Sammy says, look, I'm part of the bloodline. Jay was about to have a huge match with with the, with the, uh, the New Day. You know, if they won, they had the record. I did not want to give him any other type of stuff. I told Kevin Owens that, you know, I am a part of the bloodline and that I won't, you know, do anything against you guys, you know, blah, 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 blah. And Roman believed him. And so we set up the match. And I I love that Roman was last. You knew that. But I, the, the one thing that I thought was the best is when it's Jey Uso at the beginning. He's getting his ass kicked at one part. You finally go to the bloodline to let someone in. And Jimmy goes a run, and fucking Roman grabs him, pulls him back, looks at Sammy and says, you go. So it's Sammy and Jay. They're not getting along at all throughout this. Um, They're having problems. Like, you know, at one part, they have, like, a little shoving contest when Jimmy got in there. Um, I loved it when Solo Sokoa came out. Uh, Just a little fucking, like, brick shithouse, man. You know, you got someone that's, like, that's still a tank. But he's a smaller tank, like a like a Taz or or a uh, Ishi. But he's doing so many tributes to his uncle, uh, the Umaga, who passed away. Um, and really, it, it does it's it's like Samoa Joe and Umaga and one fucking condensed smaller wrestler that could just beat the shit out of people and doesn't show any emotion. And I, I liked all the tributes he did for his uncle. Um, they called it out on commentary. When it gets towards the end, when it, everything is is happening, Kevin Owens has fucking Roman Reigns. He gave him a stunner, and Sammy interrupts it. And Kevin's like, are you fucking kidding me? And this would happen with Jay jumping, trying to do a body splash. Kevin Owens catching him and fucking Sammy coming and ball shot, proving himself for all of them. Roman with a spear to Kevin Owens. and no, no, actually, no, there wasn't any spear. I think that right after that, he told Jey Uso to go to the top, and Sammy, you know, directed him to do a splash, and the bloodline wins at Kevin Owens' 
uh, loss. We already talked about Kevin Owens having the dusty gear. And at the end of it, you have everyone together, a part of the bloodline. And the biggest fucking pop. You have Roman embrace fucking Sammy. That's a big deal. And then Jay hugs him. Everyone goes crazy. Stops and Jay hugs him even more. Him picks his ass up. And everyone fucking goes off in the audience. And everyone is on the same page. Um, it was awesome. It was it was great storytelling, man. It was great. And what they built off of this with Kevin Owens coming out and telling Sammy, I don't want anything to do with you. He's like, we're done. He's like, for the last 20 years, our careers have been linked. That's that's it. And Sammy's the same. All right, fuck off then. Kevin gets a win against main event Jey Uso. We're still progressing where I think my whole thing that was what's going to happen is I don't know if it happens at Rumble or starts it, but Sammy's going to eventually, I think, piss off the bloodline and Roman's going to tell Jay to take him out. And even though he told him to fuck off, the only person that's going to come to save him is his old buddy Kevin Owens. And they both have wanted to win the tag team titles and they're going to beat the Usos at WrestleMania for those titles. I could be wrong. Who knows? If they're on The Rock, maybe Sammy should fucking go against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I'm not saying he'll win the title, but he's over like Rover, man. He's is, As soon as he drops the bloodline, whatever that is, he's going to be the biggest baby face, and he already is in the company. Yeah, I, it's it's crazy to me that they it took this long to get Sami Zayn over, and I'm just going to put a lot of that on Triple H taking over the booking because – Goddamn, Sami Zayn could have been a massive babyface even coming from NXT. So it's uh yeah, I think that you're probably spot on with your prediction. The only other thing I could see them doing is if they are able because they've talked to Austin about doing a match, I could see them setting up a tag match where Austin is, you know, Kevin Owens's partner versus like Sami and Jay. So I think a lot of it yeah. just depends on what their plan for Mania is, but uh I would have absolutely no problem with you know, this relationship dis- disintegrating by Mania, uh, which is probably not the worst idea if you have The Rock coming in because you don't want – The Rock is going to get pissy if anything he is doing is overshadowed, <laughs> which which I think a match between The Rock and, and Roman, as cool as that is, uh, if, if Sammy's there right now, the, the viewers are going to be more interested in Sammy than that match. All I, the one thing I will say, and I I, I don't think it's going to happen, but if it does, if you got The Rock there for a Roman match and you got Austin there for some other match, there better be some type of fucking interaction at WrestleMania, just a backstage like little thing with Austin and The Rock, or you fucked up, Trip. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, we, I mean, they've only, they, you know, we, we've heard that Austin wants to do another match and he's been training, but that's definitely not, we, there's not as many rumors about that as there has been The Rock. The Rock thing's been out there for like, what, two, two years at this point, trying to set up this match. So, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure we're going to get that. So if they break up, if they break Sammy away from the bloodline, if that's where you're going at Mania, it's probably not the worst idea. So, you know, what you threw out there as a prediction is, Probably a, a realistic option of what will happen, especially if they're not going to get Austin. But if Austin's going to be there, I wouldn't be surprised if you do, you know, some sort of tag match with Austin and, and, and Kevin as a tag team. I'm just saying I don't care about the match themselves. If they have them both on the card, I want some type of interaction. And it doesn't have to be a match or anything like that. But backstage, you got Austin, you got The Rock. you got to have them, like, interact with each other. 
It's been years. Just a little shit talking, maybe like laughing back and forth, but then it, you know, just something like kind of like what The Rock did with Triple H a couple of years ago. You know? Yeah, I think that would be awesome. And if if Austin doesn't want to work a match but wants to be part of WrestleMania, fucking make him the special guest referee. Oh my god, if he's a referee with Roman and The Rock, especially if he fucks over The Rock, whoo! All right. <laughs> like that, there's there's a, a lot of things they can do. This this mania is probably going to be one of the best we've seen in quite a while, just based on they're going to have all the four four horse women back at the same time. Um, the U.S. title picture means something. You'll have Cody coming back. You're going to get The Rock. You potentially can get Austin. Uh, it's setting itself up to be a very good mania, barring anything unforeseen, like if someone gets hurt uh, between now and then. But they have a uh, they have a good run going here in in WWE right now. God damn, man! This this happened throughout the whole course of the show. Raphael Warnock, Herschel Walker, I don't give a fuck. I'm not voting for either of you guys. Quit texting me with your fucking people. My name is not Jenny, by the way. Sorry. Anyways. All right. Let's go to the ending. Because that was it. Um, Unless, Chris, do you have any other stuff from Raw SmackDown? You know, I think we we covered a lot of the main things when we talked about the two pay-per-views. But do you have anything else you want to bring up before we get out of here? Uh, nothing really. I mean, the biggest moment was the MJF stuff, which we already kind of went over. Um, the rest of it was kind of resetting towards the next pay-per-view for both, both, uh, WWE and AEW. Yeah, man. Even, even a classy gentleman like William Regal, a little scoundrel, if you will, shouldn't have sympathy for the devil, man. Shouldn't trust the devil. That's all it really means. But, um, there's a good question from that because this has been a question going around. No one knows if William Regal signed just a one-year contract. Do you think that might have been him being writ off or written off television? I don't know. I don't think so. You think Mr. Regal will be back? Yeah, I mean, even if he signed a one-year deal, it wouldn't be up until after January, right? When did he come? When did he come into AEW? It was before the New Japan stuff. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um. Just interesting, nonetheless. I also love the little, uh, just, it's, it's Brian Danielson being smart. So Moxley, obviously, Regal came out. Moxley's gone because him and Paige got kicked out of Dynamite. MJF takes a shot against William Regal. Brian Danielson runs the ring. He's missing a shoe because they explained that he was actually, since they just had a match in a trainer's room, you know, talking and shit like that. So I love that they they. Danielson would do that little detail, like he was running, you know, just pulling one fucking shoe, couldn't find the other one, just ran the fuck out there to help William Regal. Um, just good storytelling. It's little things, little things. Yeah, Daniel Bryan's fucking incredible. Yeah. <laughs> but that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I agree with you 100% on that. All right. Well, you know what else is awesome? This show. And it's over. That's it. We talked about a lot of stuff for you guys. We reviewed the last two big pay-per-views, AEW Full Gear, WWE Survivor Series. We have a lot of stuff from the buildup of both Winners Coming and the Royal Rumble. So we'll have plenty of stuff for you guys next week. That's my cat. Um, don't meow on the microphone, kitty. Quit being that. Anyways, so 
thank you so much for listening. Uh, appreciate you guys as fans. I've already given you the down low on if you're a newer fan. If you want to find us, search Wrestling Geeks Alliance on Google. You'll find everything from Red Circle Media to, you know, YouTube links to um, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all of them. We're on all of them. Search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Subscribe. And thank you guys to all the old listeners for listening. We appreciate you guys. Chris, tell all the lovely people where they can find you and also plug anything you want to plug uh, in the future. My sexy man friend. Don't really have any uh, new shows or anything coming out. So if you want to talk to me on Twitter, you can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Facebook and Instagram, Christopher.r.patton. Um, look forward to hearing you got from you guys. And uh, New Japan's trending for some reason, so I'm going to go investigate that. Oh, we got a trend of New Japan. Uh, maybe some craziness going on. But anyways, we'll probably talk about it next week if it's big. So we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening to us. Let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. And as always, peace out. Oh, great show, man. I'm tired. I think I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> I feel everybody, I might be doing the same thing. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later, man. All right. Peace out, bro. See you.